0: Episode 110 of the Tarn Runner Shorts Podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan, myself, Kyle Gregg. So Tom, you've uh, you've been you've been heavy on the, the Zoom calls this this evening. It's ten to eight, so it's a late one. So how are you? Are you fine?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, so yeah, well good evening, listeners. Yeah, we've got uh, we're pleased to get Liz on the show. That's one who's been top of the list for a while, so we've been we've been chasing her down. Um pleased to get her on, which is cool. This week, the podcast is brought to you by the Coffee Mod. So, the Coffee Mod is a is a a, a coffee outfit um, in Woodbridge, Suffolk, of all places. And yeah, it's been great. Gab from the from the coffee the Coffee Mod has uh, um, has got in touch and they're provided or supporting the show here. And you know, we are we're two guys who we like to run and like all our listeners. We we do enjoy a good coffee before we go out. So. Um, yeah, this week we've been drinking the from the coffee mod. Now I don't know if, what if you've had a chance, Kyle, but I had a I had a coffee. It was the, the the beans that they sent through. It was the um, their espresso blend, which you know did exactly what you need to give me a, It was a good kick when I was uh before my run. So tasty, a tasty, uh, tasty roast there.
0: It was. I've had an opportunity to try it out and pre-run, of course, and um, yeah, pre-pre-tight. Pre, pre toilet, free toilet break as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was every morning. It's a, it's a coffee, it's a toilet, and then it's a the run, in that but order. You, uh,
1: but, you, but you know, I think with coffee before run, I can't now move to like I can't do instant before a run. It's gonna be good. I mean, I don't do instant at all anymore. But especially work from home, one of the perks being at home. But um, yeah, like it's, it's good coffee, ideally. Ground, ground, beans ground just before you make it. I mean, that is the that's the that's, that's what we want for a run. Uh, I feel it's especially before a race as well. And in fact, you know what, that's a bit of a pain in mind when you're in, away for a race and you're like in a hotel room and, and you've got it's an early o'clock start and there's no you can't get to a cafe, so all you've got well, is like a instant in the room. It's a it's a nightmare.
0: That is never bring a in, in unless
1: you're in America,
0: you know, there's a, a cheeky Dunkin' Donuts nearby or you mm. know that's uh, that that's a dream. But one thing about coffee, though, is uh, what, what do you, I just used to get the grounded coffee.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you grind, do you grind it and then have it? Is that, is that better? Is that better quality or does that make uh, the beans
2: last
1: longer? I read, I read somewhere that you should, you should, uh you know, when you, I mean, when you grind, when you grind the beans, you get the, the flavors really released then. So I, I mean, I tend to, I grind beans on a, on a morning basis now because i 'm working from home before that I used to just do, grind them on a weekend um but now yeah we we buy coffee and beans um and it was yeah, as I say, it was good to get the the blend from the coffee mod um, yeah, it was good and it's it, what I love is after you grind the beans and made a coffee we used we we flux, we fluctuate now either french press or which is probably what Fiona prefers, but what I really enjoy is the chemex you know it 's like that sort of like science looks like a sort of scientific um so we're looking for one of these uh, jugs or jars that they're using an experiment, and it's uh, it's just a filter, just a, a drip filter of coffee, but it's really good. Um, so we used that, and it was it was good. It was really nice. It was a pretty strong strong start, though. <laughs> it's yeah. not
0: a, oh, a <laughs> well, it's uh, it's it's coffee for me. I can only do like one or two coffees a day, and then but always in the morning. But I started getting into like tea as well in the last you know since okay. during lockdown. You know, it's nothing else get a little bit bored of having you know just just coffee or, or 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 juice it's it's always good to mix it up with a bit of earl mm. grey and a bit of earl grey tea a bit of chai chai tea as well tom i'm, uh, oh, I'm an exotic tea man as well you know
1: Blimey, I'm, I've got to say, I'm, it's for me. It's coffee and juice. I probably drink a bit too much coffee, but certainly for running, it's it's uh, it's great. It's a it's a legal performance-enhancing uh, <laughs> substance. So why wouldn't you drink it? So uh, I mean, people stay right. see, with caffeine gels and all that. So if you're interested, I mean, Gav from the, the coffee the coffee mod, he's actually from up the up Murray Way. So, Do not Fendocky or something. Hi, something like Findoc, yeah. It's the place <laughs> I had to look it up to be honest. So yeah, shout out to Gavin, shout out to the coffee mod. And if you're looking for Aye. a if you're looking if you're uh, that way inclined and you fancy trying a coffee from a different provider, head have a look at the coffee mod. You're best to get them on Facebook or Instagram, I can see. DM yeah. them and they will send you uh they can sort out an order for you.
0: Yeah. Well, Tom, um I didn't ask a lot of coffee chat. We haven't gotten to the main the main sort of section yet, but um you're training, Tom. You've you've had better week. What was your training like? Was it was it better than the week before? How are you getting you on? Know,
1: so it started off okay. I mean, I, I as listen. Remember I had the week off before last, and then through last week, i started to feel a little bit more alive. I did a, an easy run on Monday, and then on what did I do? Yeah, Tuesday did a session actually. So I went down to. I was in town for an, uh, an appointment anyway, so I went to Duthie Park and did five by a K. So first time I've done the session, not in the coffin in like, um, in like three months. And it was good. I mean, I, I was hitting this, the splits. I was looking to, I was looking to run five flat pace for the Ks, and they were all between 4.55 and five. And I mean, Duthie Park is a difficult one to read because it's only a kilometre loop. But the splits, while, you know me, I like, I know what a lap of Duthie Park is, regardless of what my watch says. And I was, you know, last summer I was doing... K reps in like 312, 315. I was hitting between 304 and 306 this week. So yeah. um so it may be short on the K, it may be longer than K. It's probably short, let's be honest. But anyway, regardless, the split is good comparatively towards compared to last time. But you know what? That is you can tell that I'm someone who's a real has a real preference for the sort of lactate threshold stuff. Cause when I go out and do a session, it's five by K at 5K pace. That first, and you've got to hit the first rep hard. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, and it wasn't too. It wasn't too busy, fortunately. But yeah, hard work. And actually, it was an evolution from the session I did about four weeks ago. I did five by K around right here with a two-minute recovery. Here I did five by K with a minute and a half recovery. Now, five-minute mile is is fifteen thirty pace, so it's probably an ambitious five K for me. But we'll see. Hopefully, get through that. So, good session. um And then the rest of the week was pretty much easy running until Friday, and I had a a tempo and this is where my legs fell apart again like i was hoping to go start my plan was to start at like 540s and work my way down to like 520 and then in the end i pretty much sat at 535 the whole thing and i just like i couldn't get the first rep at 535 felt amazing i was like oh this is so good i'm cruising and then my legs fell apart and i was absolutely hanging on and also my guts fell apart So oh, there, was, no. <laughs> there was two unfortunately a couple of stops during the uh, emergency stops so uh yeah, not a great end to the week, but I'm also, if I'm also honest. I find in my head motivation right now is taking a bit of a dip. You know, I was so motivated about five, six weeks ago. Now, I don't know, I don't know what it is, mate. I think it's ups and downs. But I'm just, in a, in, when I'm hard, in a hard session, I find I'm not hurting as much as I. I'm not going to that hurt locker as much as I would have because I'm just thinking, I'm not doing a marathon until December. This, you know what I mean? So long Aye, way. It's away. a long
0: way. Like, I mean, you're half a year away, almost. Well, I've just done exactly. Just done. A fair, fair chunk of way to, you know, get get too motivated, you know?
1: Exactly. So that was, I'll be honest, that was a bit of a, a struggle. Legs also feeling pretty tired. And then on the weekend was pretty steady. But on Saturday, Sunday, sorry, we took advantage of the ease lockdown rules and went down to visit my parents for the day for a coffee in the garden, which was nice. But the problem is, you know, day tripping down to five pretty much wrote off the whole day. When I got back, I had a long run in the plan when I got back. And I thought, I can't be arsed. So I, what I did the first half of my run on the treadmill watching the Merseyside Derby. Fiona wanted to use a treadmill for the second half, so I went out and did. So I did 10 miles. It's not exactly a long run, but it's better than nothing. But again, motivation, I just thought, what good does check. it matter, eh? So the good old bell curve, eh? The good old bell curve. So I'm hoping I'll be picking up the other side, but that is my week in a nutshell. 70-odd miles, two sessions. One was good, one was average. We continue on. At least you're getting
0: it done, though. eh? That's what Bojo keeps saying. Let's
1: get it done exactly. But you know, I'm and I know a lot of listeners will probably relate to this. But I'm now in a position where I'm just thinking: all I want is to get the green light twelve weeks out from a race that I'm going to run and feel in reasonable shape. Now I feel in reasonable shape. I've taken a bit of weight. I don't really care as long as. But when I, because I know when I go, I've got the time to get into good shape. I just don't want to drop fitness. I'm happy to maintain right now. You know what I mean? You want to do a do a treadmill challenge <laughs> uh no, yeah. maybe not so <laughs> well, speaking, of tra- speaking of treadmill challenges then how is uh how is life for you ahead of the the big the big the big challenge
0: well you might hear a little beep in the background there that's me uploading my my, my week's uh worth of sessions from last week but um essentially i had quite a good week i uh, i took part in the west highland way virtual challenge ah, uh, did you cool yep yeah. Uh, I put my, I paid my entry fee. Or I haven't uploaded my results yet, so I have to get my finger out, mind you. But do you know what I'm di- I, I was doing it to put money in. It's for charity as well, and also just give myself a bit of motiv- not not only myself, but but Debbie as well. She took part in it. Just a bit nice. of motivation to get out and, and to do something. Um, <clears throat> so essentially, the tra the the challenge. If anyone doesn't know, we, we've rambled on enough about it, but. Nine point nine five miles in 9.5 days and um, so essentially you could you know do 9.5 miles a day um, But I, I had quite a good week I'm not gonna you know I know you, you didn't have the greatest but I had I was quite happy with how my my week came Um I, I, I did about on average Tom about between 14 and 18 miles a, a day nice which uh, must be about 100 mile a week then it would be about 100 mile a hundred mile week. I took Sunday a little bit shorter, so I'm gonna to have to add it up and see. But it's about, I would just say, just shy of a hundred miles. And um, Sunday was nice. only like a a six to eight mile run, so the drop brought, brought it down a little bit. But Sunday, I wasn't that fussed because I've had a real good run of um of run, of 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 runs for the last sort of few you know few few weeks few weeks really, um a good few days anyway last week. But I went, I told you about this, Tom. So t- Debbie was uh, De- Debbie dropped me off a few miles um, from the house, and I ran back home. But I took the, the sort of roundabout way home. But I ended up. Uh, but I, I, it's a little bit of a rant coming coming up, folks. I was uh-huh. at this amazing looking quarry, which isn't far from the house, and the amount of fecking people who put lit, littered the whole place. Beer bottles everywhere. There's like there's there's crisp packets in the reservoir and. I, it's such a beautiful area and not only is, uh, is it is it been littered it's also been there uh, there was also a fire there as well so all the trees and the bushes have com- are completely charcoal so i kicked oh, it like, like, this is shit. this is i was in this little grump going people just have got no responsibility no regard for for the for the surroundings and nature and things it just really angered me so i think that's the result of me tripping over my own foot landing hard on my knee and i, I must have whacked like a i must have whacked a, my shin off a rock that was in sort of embedded in the ground and and oh man i thought it was when i looked at my foot not my foot my shin it was like really flat like oh, my dear. shin was like had this little indent in the just in the tibialis anterior um, and i thought oh my god i must have like have i done something to my muscle and i could hardly walk for the first couple of minutes and I thought, God, I've got like I'm meant to be doing a 15 mile today. I'm, not, I'm and, and Debbie's gone off with of the car, and I thought, what do I do, do, I, do I Just run back on the main road and hope I don't get hit by a lorry? Or do I just crack on and run it off? So I did the latter, Tom. Didn't I?
1: <laughs> nice, good.
0: Every step, every step was ucha, ucha, ucha. It was, it wasn't great, oh, but you know what? I, I got, I got it done, and uh, it, the, the 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 worst part was really going downhill um just the loading on the on the front shin was quite sore, but um oh but it did it did ease off a little bit. I, you know, but my my worry was that I, I do something more to it. I I, I make it aggravate, aggravate it somehow. But uh but no it's um it was more impact. So I did ice it when I got home and, and just kind of chilled out for that last few hours and or the, the rest of the hours of the day. And the following day I went for an easy run, felt okay, I felt it, but I knew, I kind of knew it wasn't going to be chronic, or it wasn't going to, it was just more of an impact injury, and it's not going to, it's not going to worsen if I run on it, so mm-hmm. I ended up doing quite a, I think I doubled up on Wednesday, um, and by uh, by like sort of Thursday, Friday, it was, I couldn't really feel it on every step stride, and then I did, um, so I only did like one kind of key session last week, and I did it on the treadmill um I did sixteen right. miles at marathon pace, continuous. Oh, yeah. That was good. Um, I started off the first few miles. I started off a little bit easy, and then, you know, I say marathon pace. Um, you know, not my my sort of two twenty five pace, but more just like based on effort. So it was quite humid as well. Okay. So I, I was yeah. just going by like feel, and also like I was on the treadmill. I'm at zero percent. I'm I'm not going to hit hit at one percent, and more yeah. more just to start getting used to the, the twenty four hour you know the feeling of of running on a treadmill for a long period of time so yeah um so that that was really good I was quite quite happy with how things went and just more relieved that my
1: leg was okay you know yeah, yeah absolutely um, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a session to do on a treadmill sixteen miles at marathon pace
0: it was okay like it it was fine I mean I, I, I do sometimes find it's a bit monotonous like you know, doing a marathon se- session there in a, either outside either outsider or on the treadmill, Just, I always kind of reflect back on my current form and go, God, this felt a lot easier than it does now. But I've got to sort of start shifting my mindset to to, to doing, you know, the, the longer stuff and knowing that I'm not going to be running, you know, five and a half minute miles, uh, you know, doing the longer stuff. Um, so, yeah, so last, last week was really good, Tom, I, I must say. Um, and, yeah, and I think... This week I'm gonna I'm gonna add in a couple of long runs. I'm I'm all all ready to go for a long run tomorrow morning, which is gonna be Tuesday morning, and then nice. one later on in the in the week. So I'll probably do like a probably like a 50k tomorrow, um, and then like maybe a little bit longer later on in the week, and, and just build into you know a hundred plus mile week again, and uh, and then yeah, just start building those distances up a little bit more. Um, you know, no, probably not. Not past eighty k in time for the the treadmill challenge, the twenty four hour treadmill challenge on on the twenty eighth of August.
1: Nice, so yeah, that's, that's good, mate. That's good. Well, it sounds like you're making that you're really making the most quite rightly of having of the time you've got to get out and get miles in during the day, and that's and like getting you know back. I mean, you need to do the miles, and you're doing it, which is good.
0: That's it. I mean, I suppose uh, for me, it'll just be specific specificity, and uh, you know, getting used to fueling getting used to, you know, what am I going to wear on my feet? Uh, you know, I'm going to have to work work with the sort of conditions I'm going to be running at as well. I mean, it will be hopefully quite cool and at the Sports Village when I take part in the, the treadmill, but just mental training as well. You know, it's going to be a big, mm. big part in it in, in working at that that sort of pace I'm going to hit. Uh, we'll decide what that pace will be, but still no, no further on with, you know, whether or not that's a, a – an official world record the the 180 miles but nonetheless we'll we'll continue on we'll march on and see what see what brings but, you know brings us to I, the table
1: as I, as i said last week i think you should forget about what other people have done have or haven't done and focus on running as far as you can and the rest will take care of itself you know what i mean i think that's the that will be i think to cuz 180 miles if you get too focused on that you might end up overcooking it for something you don't, and then for no good reason. If you focus on too low a distance you might not squeeze everything out of yourself. So honestly if you get a plan to get the fast the furthest you can run, I think you'll you'll be grand. Uh, I love it. Wise
0: why again, wise words from Tommy there and those <laughs> wise words uh you know the interview with Liz McCoggan to tell that was the same. She she said the same thing. Concentrate on yourself, not not what other people are doing. So there you go, there's a, a theme
1: coming in I'm in, I'm in good company. So the well, that's maybe a good time to to go to uh, Liz then to to, to introduce our interview for the week.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, do you know what? Like, I'm I'm hot off the press. I'm hot off the press with speaking to Liz, and one of the really inspiring interviews. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking to her. I, I enjoy speaking to all our guests, and but this one was really special, and um, she's been a real sort of role model and. In my running and I've always looked up to her in, in races and it's just great to see the you know the next generation as well including their daughter Eilish who's also been in the show so um, so without further ado here's the interview with Liz the Natale. Okay, so a warm welcome to one of Scotland's best ever distance runners, Liz mccoggan Nuttall, on the Tartan Runner Shorts. How are you doing? I'm very, very well, thanks, and uh, pleased to be invited. But uh, I think
3: it's the first time I'm actually following Alice from doing something, because she beat me to it. She's been on the podcast before, so <laughs> I'm following her footsteps
0: for a change. Yeah, yeah, well, brilliant. Well, I've, I was saying just before we went live, I'm I'm a massive fan of yours, and um, if there's a Scottish running hero be yourself. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to speak to someone I've looked up to for, God, I, I, I said to you, I think the first time I met you and got your autograph was at the the Run Balmoral races and uh, I think you were perhaps competing um, and uh, and Ailish was also competing. I think she might be doing like the mile event or something. Um So, yeah. She yeah. used to support them like, um, there was a couple of ones. There was one that was held in the
3: Grounds of Balmoral. That's right, And yeah. then there were thing that was held in the Botanic Gardens in Aberdeen and whenever there were kids races we always used to bring air stuff but um, the Balmoral races up in Balmoral were brilliant I yeah. mean they were brilliant for the kids but they're also really good for you know like uh, used to have like a, it wasn't like a great big elite field but you, you know there would be like sort of like 78 people that were invited but then yeah. the rest were all just running all over Scotland and England, and it's a really good mix, and it's a tough old race as well. Like, but um, yeah. it used to be five mile as well. But um, great memories of that. But um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed running them. So I ran them for a couple of years, and then it was a shame actually that they. Well, I think they still have them, but it's not. It's, uh, what, or it's not the great run events anymore. It's some, you know, I think it's just the local people that do yeah, it now. That's but, right. um,
0: yeah, Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I I just remember, you know, it was like such an intimate environment, and you know, there was just all these great runners assembled and mm. you know just a small you know okay it's the the queen's other residence but it was uh, yeah, yeah it was brilliant so yeah that was just yeah first That's time I, I, remember.
3: Yeah, I remember one year it was like really really bad snow and like um it was live on the telly and i, I actually got the world record that year and um Amazing. they um they, they said that william and harry who were very young at the time, were making
0: snowmen while the races were going on. <laughs> no way. I, I do I remember watching that at my granny's, and uh, I, I, you know, no doubt watched it smash that world record yeah. as well, as all uh, oh, the memories. But I suppose, um, yeah. you know, for some of the, some, most of the listeners, in fact, probably all of them, because as I said, they're, they're mainly runners from scotland and we do have, uh, have other listeners who venture far but you don't need really any introduction to them Um but if you just give us a, a, a sort of brief background and how you got into into running into running um well i was about
3: 12 in first year of secondary school and yeah. the pe teacher a guy called phil cairns was a marathon runner you know just a social marathon runner. And so when it was, like, uh, winter sports and you should be doing hockey and football and that, he used to put us out on cross-country runs and actually come with us. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of the kids didn't do the loops that he would do, but I was always able to keep up and, you know, never stopped and walked and stuff like that. I mean, I wasn't a brilliant runner, but I was just always able to keep with thumb and not, like, you know, stop and walk and moan about it. And yeah. it always turned up for them, and I really enjoyed it. And then he started a club at the school, which I joined. And then after... the you know, very quickly he realized that, you know, I, I sort of had an aptitude for it. So he advised me to go along to the Hockle Harriers where his mate was the coach there, a guy called Harry Bennett. Oh
2: yeah. And
3: so I joined yeah, so I joined the Hockle Harriers when I was just turning thirteen and then I got introduced to sprinting, which, you know, I used to do sprinting, shot pot, high jump. I did everything to get a point for the club. Nice. And then um it was we did a sponsored Really one day for to raise funds for the club. And with being in the sprint group, the sprinters couldn't do 400 meter laps. Yeah, but I just yeah. kept going and going and going. And so I was discovered that day, and people said, Well, you know, you're in the wrong group. You need to move to endurance. So I then had to move to endurance, which was all like road runners and a lot older people. Okay, and I was yeah. like probably the only younger one there. But I just thrived in it and absolutely loved it. And then yeah. that was just me, really. I just got into endurance running. It was never great. I mean, I'd, I'd make Scottish schools teams, but maybe be like, third, fourth or fifth, you know, I would never win Scottish schools yeah, or anything yeah, okay. like that. I was always down to a certain yeah, Yvonne Murray or Lynn McDougall and uh-huh. Andrew Everett and people like that. But yeah. um, the thing with me was I was very, very um, stubborn and when I got used to get beat at races, you know, I used to get really determined to try and beat them the next time and I just had a really, really good work ethic and that's what got me there. And yeah. I just kept working and working and working. And I got offered, I was working in a jute mill, left school at 16, working in a jute mill at yep. the age of 16 for a year. And then I got offered a scholarship to the States. And when I went to the scholarship in the States, that's what really made me because I couldn't afford to sort of be, you know, a full-time runner. And yep. back then you couldn't really keep being in an Olympian or going to world championships and that because it was well above what I was doing. Yep. And um, when I went to the States, it gave me the opportunity to actually train like a proper athlete and be sort of funded as well you know you got all your training gear and you got time to go to study yeah. and like, to train and stuff like that and then so after four years i came back a completely different person wow. um yeah. you know i came back uh, after four years and that was the year where i um won the first ten thousand meters for the british Championships. yeah um lapped everybody in the field and then <laughs> i got amazing. selected for the couple of games that year yeah. and then that was Scotland's first gold medal, well, Scotland's only gold medal of the, for the athletics track and field, uh, the 86 games, right. and then Commonwealth Games just opened up a world to me then, and I yeah. just went on to greater and better things, really, yeah. but, um, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of my development was done in the four years when I was in the States, because I just got the opportunity to be a runner.
0: Yeah, okay, and, and what, you know, like, compared to, you know, when you were in, in Dundee, you were still, a, you, as, a, as a kid, you were still a really good runner, and, you know, you were doing well in Scottish schools. What was the main difference between, like, you know, being in, being in Scotland and where you were, compared to... Was just... Was it the volume of training, or just more regimented? I just really, or oh, it was just really difficult. I mean, I lived in, um, in Whitfield, which is a council state, and, yeah. like, um, sometimes
3: when... I would go, like when I was sort of 15, 14, 15, I'd be going out the the, the sort of blocks the flats where we lived to go and run. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. I'd get stopped by a gang right. saying like, what are you doing? Where are you going? And, you know, I, I got a lot of bullying and everything because I was yeah. trying to, you know, I was doing something that's totally alien. You know, there's no women running. There was I mean, nobody from that area was doing any sport yeah. what I was doing and people just couldn't accept. You know, they were just like, you know, what are you doing? Where do you think you're going? And, and I've got a lot of Bother with trying to be a runner. Yeah. And then you know my mom and dad, you know they they were always out you know unemployed and stuff, and mm-hmm. so they couldn't afford to support me. So you know I couldn't get spikes and I couldn't get shoes, and so you know they did the best for you. But um you know they had I had the other siblings as well. Yeah. And um so it's really really difficult to actually try and get one foot in the door to try and you know be successful. Like you know I I wouldn't have the money to travel to races. Yeah. Um you know, and, and things like that. So to go to the States afforded me the the, the time and the support. Like yeah. You know, I went to the States and I got all my running shoes. Uh, you know, I, I got all my food paid for me. I got all the trips to the races paid for me. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was like a really, really big support, which I didn't get back home in Scotland. Yeah. And, um, and and it was probably what was needed to stay alive. You know, it, I think days are a bit different now. I see how you're supported, and things like, but back then you know if you if you didn't have a lot, then it was really was a struggle you know um, yeah. Yeah. And, um and so for me personally, it was you know the best move for me was to go to the states and and it just gave me that time and opportunity to develop and to get the mindset to to believe in myself because you know. When, when I was a youngster in, in Scotland and in Whitfield, yeah. I was always told that I wasn't good enough. I would never do anything because I came from a certain part of town, you know, and you were kind of just ignored and overlooked yeah. all the time. And yeah. um and so when I went away, it gave me the opportunity to get a bit of confidence about what I was doing and, and you know, belief in that it was okay for me to do it. Yeah. And, um, and it took a bit of time for me to get into that and accept that as well. And then you know, as I say, once um once I started to um you know develop and you know I really developed massively from that age sort of like seventeen to nineteen. But um but I think the the reason that I developed too was because I did a lot of um running in Scotland when I was young. You know I I, I you know even as a sixteen year old I'd be running ninety miles a week. So you know I did a lot of yeah. background um endurance work without really understanding that I was doing it. You know, I was kind of training like a Kenyan without knowing I was a Kenyan because I used to have to run to training, back from training. I used to run to my school. You know, I'd run to work when I was working in the chip shop. You know, just things like that there. So, um, you know, there, there was a lot of, like, extra things that I did that were pertaining to running, but not really specifically planning to do that. You know, it was just the way I had to work out. Yeah. And um, so when I went to the States, I, I had a really big base, I think, endurance base to work on. And then when I started getting into track work and whatever like that, it just really started to knit together. And, you know, I just came back as stronger, more confident, different athlete, and ready to believe in myself. You know, I didn't need anybody to give me a pat on the back, you know, actually believe in myself yeah. and, and what I was doing. Yeah. Um. And, you know, it took four years to get there to do that.
0: That's amazing. Like it's such it's such an incredible background because you you always hear you, you don't you, something you don't really hear the difficulties and the challenges and I I, so, I probably a kind of question I don't know if you'd be able to answer. Do you think um, there's more support for for people you know who who maybe don't have the the network and you know like say say if you were you were grown up now where you are, do you think it would be easier for people or do you think there's, do you think government yeah, bodies need to do more still or what, what do you think?
3: I don't think, um, to be honest, I don't think the pathway is easier because yeah. you know, you've got to train, training, yeah, yeah. but I think it's easier. You know, there's more, there's more coordinated, like I would say, what, talent scouts, well not even talent scouts, but you yeah. know, there's, there's more um, coordinated input from clubs yeah. They notice talent people. Um, you know, there's um, sort of regional squads, there's intercity squads, there's, um, there's a lot more. So. A lot of like open graded races that you can get noticed at, and yeah. you know, and and you know, when you raise these opportunities and whatever, and people see that, you know, there's there's more opportunity for support and, and to be found. I think mm-hmm. than what there was back in my day.
0: Yeah also like it must have been really difficult you know is you know when I, I i can't sometimes can't believe how male dominated the competitions were back in the 80s and the 70s maybe even the early 90s and that must be that must be really difficult for someone at your level to be noticed and and to have that support what what were the challenges like as a as a female you know elite athlete yep. back then too
2: Do-
3: it it was it was really difficult and um and I think too that um especially in endurance in because if you think back like when I was sort of fifteen and sixteen the fir- well seventeen eighteen the furthest distance that you could run was only three thousand meters on the track really there was no five yeah. Was ten yeah so you know you're limited and like and I think back in the day when when I was younger I think we lost a lot of really really good. Women endurance runners because they were restricted in the distance that they could run. Yeah,
2: okay. and
3: like you know, I I ran um, you know the first ever British Championship for ten thousand meters, <laughs> and you know, and the Commonwealth Games was the first introduction of ten thousand meters to women. Yeah. So you know, for me, I was so lucky that you know the ten thousand meters came in, or I, I would be one of those because um, three thousand meters, although I could run a fairly quick three thousand meters, yeah. it wasn't my event. You know, yeah, I, I was okay. so much better at the ten k and the five k and whatever, so um, you know, there was always a restriction, so you know the development of women's vents and distance running started to take off you know sort of like around about you know sort of eighty six on to ninety and then yeah. and beyond, and you know it sort of sets for um a lot of women who were probably. Not considered to be good athletes because of the restrictions on the distance. So, um, yeah, yeah. so I mean, I remember being in a conversation with my coach, Harry Bennett, when I was sixteen. I was still at school at times, and he said to me, um, "Oh, I, you know, I used to train like you know once a day and whatever." And he said, yeah. "Oh, um, I want you to train, um, come and train with me twice a day now." And I was like, "You know why?" Why did he said, Because I think he says in the next couple of years, ten thousand meters is going to be brought in for women. And oh, I was okay. like, "How fast?" Meters, you know, I was yeah. like, "What are you on? Like, he's off his head!" Like, "What's <laughs> going I said, "No woman is ever going to be able to run twenty-five laps. We only like to run seven and a half." He yeah. said, I'm telling you, by the time you're older, he says you're going to run ten-five meters and you're going to be really, really good at it. But oh, you have isn't... to decide to do the work now. So yeah. I want you, and so yep, yeah, he give up all the other sports that I was doing, and then come and train extra. well, I and mean, it actually caused a bit of a rumpus in the club because there was a couple of other girls who were really successful junior runners and yeah. I was a couple of years older than them. Okay. And so, you know, their parents obviously thought that they were better than me and they left the club because Harry actually singled me out to sort of say, look, I want you to come and, you know, yeah. run extra with me. But obviously he just saw I was ready for it and the yeah. other kids probably weren't ready for it. And um, and I did. I just dropped everything and um, just went and started. He used to pick me up on his motorbike at lunchtime yeah. and away we would go in the country I mean- roads, and he you know he'd measured miles out and I'd be doing like mile reps and and then back to work and you know it was just like you know it was insane but you know he he was well ahead of his time and his thinking yeah Uh, you know and I was probably very fortunate to have him as a a guidance when
0: I was younger. Wow that's incredible you know it's uh and there you go you know I mean well let's let's sort of fast forward to you know we're chatting about the Commonwealth Games in in Edinburgh uh what so winning a medal the 10,000 metres um, gold there, what was that like to be running a medal bank, you know, in front of a home crowd, and a Scottish home crowd, that that must have been amazing. Yeah,
3: it was really, really strange, like, because, the, like, you know, when you do a championship, you always, you always pretty much travel yeah, all yeah. over the world to do it forever. Yeah. And so when when the Commonwealth Games got decided to be in Edinburgh, I thought to myself, Oh no, you know, that's going to be terrible because I'm not going to get excited. I'm going to feel like I'm just going training. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going to true. feel like we're away at a championship. Because uh-huh. like used to sign the road sort of thing. And my mum and, like, and dad never came to watch me. And, you know, they were coming through to watch me. And I just thought, you know, this is just a wee bit too close to home, really. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I thought, what, oh, this is just going to be rubbish. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to run rubbish and whatever. Uh-huh. And the weird thing was, like, um, in the, and when they and I felt like that right up until the opening ceremony, and we were all standing outside Meadowbank, and the whole Scottish team, um, were told that you had to march um into the stadium because we were the whole nation, so we had to march in last. Yeah, right. And like standing here, yeah, and then I you know, it just sort of it never really felt like a Commonwealth Games. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like the sights started playing, and. Honestly, yeah. it was like every hair stood up on your neck as you walked into the stadium. Oh, and that was then the realisation to me. It was like, oh my God, like, this is big. You know, you really, really need to run well here because it was just electric. Yeah. And there was a lot of issues around the Commonwealth Games and about funding and all this sort of stuff. But it was like it just disappeared as soon as you stepped like, onto that track and the opening ceremony was done. And it was amazing to be part of the Scottish team then because I think everybody... Yeah. It's the exact same, you know, it was just so much pride to be there. Yeah. It was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a sea blue as we walked on and it, it was really, really good. And then I remember being in the, you know, the, we were at the Harriet Walls residence, so it wasn't like, you know, fine dining like <laughs> the and whatever. Uh, and I remember sit, sitting there and um, it was the, day of the race and, um, we hadn't won a medal and there yeah. was Tom McKean on before me and there was Yvonne on before me and then there was me and we were sort of supposed to be, you know, the last three hopes to get a medal. Yeah, yeah. And I was on last and Yvonne was, uh Tom was on first and then Yvonne was second and then it was me sort of thing. Yeah. And um Tom ran and he, he you know, he didn't run well. And then and I remember what, like watching Yvonne and Yvonne didn't run as well as what she should have either. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. And I was like, there was just a load of pressure on me. And I remember the Scottish team uh, uh, manager, who was Hilda Everett, means, cause, and as I was walking out, was said, well, Liz, you're the last hope. Oh, and the last no. thing <laughs> and, and I was to get out of my day but yeah. like, going in there, done. you know, I just felt like really a lot of pressure on me. Oh. And then uh, actually, like, as I was going into the stadium, I actually saw Vaughn, I actually that to actually, actually not speak to her because, I didn't want any negativity about yeah, me. You know, definitely. I, I you was know, just like so focused on what I had to do. And, you know, I realised it was the last opportunity. And I knew I was in great shape. I was very, very, very confident. Yeah. But obviously, lots of the people hadn't seen me all year and known what I'd done. But I knew that I was in good shape and that, um, yeah. you know, I was very, very confident I could win it. But, you know, it's always unknown. And um, I think to me, when the race started, you know, I felt really, really good. But for me the the greatest thing was it was like doing a thousand meter lappi on her oh, because amazing. I felt so and when I went into the lead I had yeah. a bit, you know from a thousand meters out two and a half laps it was mine yeah. and I just heard that like as the race went on quite some subdued because it was raining and whatever and as the it went on the crowd just got louder and oh. louder because they could see people getting dropped and then they could see the opportunity of the medal but yeah. then when I went into the lead it was just me and oh. uh, it was, I was just sort of beginning of the end because <laughs> because I I think when you win, you know, the the beauty of winning is the opportunity to share it with the nearest and dearest age, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when when you win that we a whole stadium of Scotch people, yeah. It uh, was just never the same again when I won. <laughs> you know, I went to Tokyo the next year, getting yeah. on the crowd and I'm like it's just such <laughs> anecdotal <laughs> like it's nobody here. Oh, it's me. Um, it- but you know, it was one of the most amazing and surreal moments in my life and i remember like because i'd won obviously and you know a lot of things were going crazy because it was scotland's only goal then yeah um in meadowbank i don't know if you've been to meadowbank i've
0: been there scottish schools and a bit a couple of training sessions yeah it's weird now though like you know never think it was a commonwealth games like
3: when they 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 waited and waited and waited for the family and I thought to myself, "Oh, you know, everybody's going to be going home now because it was a good it was a good while." Yeah. Um, you know, until I got my medal, but I got my medal on the day after the race, it was still pouring rain or whatever. And as I ma- as I sort of was held underneath this tunnel, all you heard was the stadium shouting my name, and oh, it was just surreal. That's surreal. It, it was one of the best moments ever, especially for like a young a young girl winning her first championship. You know. Yeah. So, but it meant an awful awful lot.
0: Yeah. And, and, you That's know, why f- I always say a lot
3: of people say, "Oh, the Commonwealth Games, it's not important." I think it really is important because it does make a difference. You know, it yeah. does. Especially if you're young and that, and you want a championship like
0: that. You know. Yeah. Do you think that was like a big step? I mean, you know, your are sort of golden year. You you may disagree, but 1991, like, that was a real year of success for you. And um, do you think like the Commonwealth Games that you know as that if you never had that, do you think that success would have? Would would be the same that you achieved, or do you think that was like one of the reasons that you 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 became stronger and faster and, and, and more successful in yeah. terms of medals? You know
3: what? We all need stepping stones. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You all you, all, you all need the starting point. And for me, the Commonwealth Games is I'd never won a championship. You know, I just won my first ever British championship that yeah. year. You know, a couple of months before, and to suddenly then go on and be a Commonwealth Games champion, you know, it's a massive, massive thing. And I think, you know, it it kind of opens your own mindset as to what it feels like and you want more of it. And it makes you give you that belief that, you know, I've just won a championship so I can do it again. But it also gives you like a little insight as to the the role play of what you need to go through to get to your championship, you know, the hold and the pressure going into it. You know, there's a lot it's a big, big learning curve and you can't just jump into a world or an Olympics yeah. without having these types of experiences. So, you know, I, I think it plays a big, big part in a lot of the development of athletes. I'm not saying it's, you know, as important as the Olympics and that, but it plays yeah. a massive part in the development.
0: Yeah, okay. Oh, that's really interesting. So sort of talking four years later, I mean, you know, there's so many other like performances but you know you, you also did the same again, uh, in auckland in, in uh, 19 what year was that okay get my get him 19
3: 1990
0: four years, <laughs> four years later <laughs> jesus kyle <laughs> um so that that's incredible do the double there but uh and then and then in, you know you had the eilish uh, in sort of 19 well 1990 and then what well, we had an episode of tartan running shorts um and it was with jasmine paris uh, with more miller more mcclarty um and also my wife debbie and, and they've all gone through pregnancy and and one thing that really struck me was um you know the the, the, the swift return to form that you, you experienced but before we go into like postpartum how you know how was your pregnancy and, and how was that what was that like running and, and, and training and you know how did you approach that
3: I'll give you the little run-up into that, like, yeah. you know, in 88 I got an Olympic silver medal, yeah? Yeah, and yeah, I've I, got uh, that,
0: I've got this, I've got all, I know yeah, this, like
3: <laughs> uh, the I, minor I, details, eh? Really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really, really disappointed with it, and it, played, it, it it gave me a fallout of the sport of what I was okay. enjoying doing, because I felt, you know, um, I was beaten by a Russian, and obviously there was systematic doping back then and yeah. whatever, and you can't do nothing about it, but I honestly felt a bit delusional in my sport. And so after eight to eight, I went through a wee bit of a, a sort of a depression about what's it all about and whatever. Yeah. And I decided to retire from the sport, which nobody really knew about. Okay. And um, I had planned after eight to eight, like sort of in eight, eight to nine, that I wanted to get pregnant and have a baby. Yeah. And. Myself and my husband, Peter, at the time, um, you know, we were actually trying to have a baby and it didn't happen. And okay. so I honestly thought that because of my running, I couldn't get pregnant. Right. And so um, about, it must have been about four months before the Commonwealth Games in Auckland, mm-hmm. uh, Jill Hunter, who's a friend of mine who's now called Jill and um, was interviewed as she was favourite for the gold medal right. in Auckland. And yeah. I remember sitting there and I was saying to Peter, oh, I could, I, I could win that. And yeah. Peter was like, well, if you think you could win it, why aren't you going to do it? So I actually went and just had three months training. Funny and so I wasn't in the best of shape for Auckland. I was yeah. a bit overweight for what I was for a runner. Um, and and luckily for me, it played out and I did win it. Mm. And then, um, you know, and so the whole plan was then just to get back into running because, uh, like, having the time out that I did, yeah. kind of gave me a bit of a pressure and sort of like, yeah, I want to get back into running, I really miss it and all that sort of stuff. But lo and behold, when I got back into my running, um, I started feeling, uh, not unwell, but I started feeling like um, something wasn't right with me. Okay. And I went to the doctor and lo and behold, I was like four and a half months pregnant and didn't know it. Oh, so right. I actually got pregnant when we weren't trying to get pregnant, oh, which okay. Is a bit odd, but maybe the stress of trying to get pregnant yeah. to work and then I thought about it, you know yeah. what happened. And so a then wasn't really planned. Um, and so we were absolutely over the moon and whatever. Yeah. But um, because I'd already had the sort of like, oh, I want to give up athletics, and I was really into it again. Like, oh during my pregnancy, you know, i trained trained or whatever. But I wasn't one of these crazy women that went and put spikes on being, you know, really pregnant and trying to do sessions and that. I just ran yeah. comfortable with how I felt and whatever, and I kept good it. And um, um, the pregnancy was great up until I had her. Mm-hmm. Um the actual pregnancy itself was very difficult, um, yeah. and you know they, they reckon that because I'd done so much running, the the pelvis wouldn't open to allow Ailish to come through and whatever. So I had a, a very very heavy delivery. I was in labour for thirty-two hours, oh, uh, and you know it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good or an easy delivery. Yeah. yeah. And then um you know as soon as I had Ailish, I mean I ran up to the 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 day. The day that I had her, I did like a a run in the morning, run the day before, and I've got a real sharp pain in the stomach, and I thought, oh, something's not right here, I just stopped, and then the next day, the next couple of hours, like sort of later that night, I went into labour, and that was me, for seventy two hours, but, um, you know, um, after I had her, you know, I always had the intention, that I was going to get right back, into my running, so, Ah, you know, it was going to, deliver not running, and, um, and for me, you know, I was back running probably a little bit too soon because I remember going for a run and I felt like my insides were going to fall out (laughs) it was like so bad. And and I built it up and built it up and built it up. And then um, when when Ayers was six weeks old, uh, we went over to um, Gainesville, Florida just to get some weather whatever. And I won my first 5K against some Russian girls in Gainesville six weeks after I had her. And then... um, three months after I had her I got the bronze medal at the World Cross and then nine I was world champion. My so,
2: gosh. you
3: know, but I did have a very difficult first but I worked an awful lot on like, you know, pelvic floors yeah. and stomach muscles and you know, I was always doing exercises and making sure that I covered everything that I needed to do to try and get back running. Yeah. Um so um yeah, so you know, I wasn't textbook, um I don't think anybody can write a text before <laughs> they have their baby. <laughs> no. I mean, I've like, kids and everything, it's been different. But, um, yeah, okay. but yeah, so you know, I, I got back slowly. So I don't think because I had a baby that it made me a better athlete. Um, definitely not. I mean, there's a yeah. lot, a lot of women who have babies and they never make it back. Yeah,
2: okay. um,
3: there's some women that have babies and they do make it back. So it just depends on how your body reacts, how much you respect your body to yeah.
0: allow it to come back together and listen to your body to see what you can and cannot do. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really good advice. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will really respect that. So, ah, oh, thank you for that. It's, it's brilliant. And, and, yeah, well, that, that, that kind of brings us on to that, that golden year for you in, in 1991. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what was first, but I would imagine it would have been the, the World 10K Championships in Tokyo. Um yeah. now I, I, I watched that YouTube video a couple of weeks ago and um you know when we said we're gonna interview you and I, I've watched it before and uh but oh my god that you just destroyed that field. What was you know that in the you know 31 14 I think you, you ran? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. like what was that like, you know, to, to to come back, you know, after as you say, you know, re- retiring from the sport, coming back after having Alish and and winning the world championships like that, you know, that, that's amazing, yeah, um, incredible. It,
3: it's a, a lot of hard work, I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, I trained really, really hard for it, and, um, I was kind of, I, I, you know, i I'd always, previous championships, you know, i would led and led and led, and always somebody's like, able to stick on my shoulder and uh, kick me, yeah. and, um, you know, that was the one thing that got me back into the running, because I was like, you know, Time and time again, I'm just letting races fall into the other people's hands rather than me doing what's best for me. Yeah. So I kept looking at my event and thought, well, you know, I'm fed up not winning. So how do how do I win? And for me, you know, the logic was to train at a really, really hard pace but then try to put subjects in. Yeah. So that yeah. that was my initial plan for Tokyo. Right. I was going to put a really strong pace and yeah. then put subjects in like at, Um. I was going to go at 4K, I was going to go at 7K... And then I was just going to go with well, everything that I had the keep out. So I had a plan for sets. but luckily for me, um, I sensed, you know, very early on in the race that, you know, I, I was feeling really, really good. Yeah. And listening to people around me, they weren't sounding as good as I felt. Okay. So I kind of knew that I, that you know, I didn't need to do what I, you know that plan. I, I've always been into race with, you know, you know it's two or three, four different ways it's going to go because it never, ever, very rarely will it go A, B, C, D, E and yeah. there you go. Um, you know, there's always something that's a spanner thrown into the work and you've got to try and cover it. So, you know, I'd always said that, you know, I'm going to go off at a fast pace. If somebody takes it on, I'll just hang in. Great. Um if not, then when I get to 4K, I'm going to try and surge. When I get to, I'm going to try and surge, and this is the way it went. Yeah. So, you know, I got to about 3K, and, you know, the field is whittling down quite quickly. But it's just, it was so hot and humid. Ah. It really, really, was. I mean, you could just, you know, your feet were burning on the track. It was so hot. Um. And, you know, I got to sort of 3K, and I thought, you know, I, I don't need to do this at 4 Yeah. So I just kept it going. And then, um, and you know, as the race went on, it just came very... Aware to me that um, I didn't. So there was only one point where Tulu. I think it was about eight laps to go. Tulu went ahead of me, and I thought, "Oh, I've got to surge here," and I, I did. I kind of went right past her again, yeah. and then she just fell apart. And that wow. was know, That was the only time that someone could believe in that whole race. But yeah. um, but you know, I, I I trained really really hard for it, and um, I, I believed that I was you know, and sort of like. You know, if I if I'd been in better conditions there, yeah, I'd been close to a thirty minute ten k. Yeah.
0: If I needed to be, I was in that good a shape. Wow, that's it. And also, like you know, this that day as well. And, and you know, i've been, I, there wasn't that many medalists. GB medalists, was there that that year? I don't think the
3: by four. Yeah, yeah, the relay myself. And um. So yeah, again, it was kind of just the. Uh, you know, I was I was the only individual
0: gold medal yeah. of that game and and, and it's a 10,000 meter race you know you're you're a scot you know and you're a, a fellow northerner like myself how the hell did you you know what like what hot and humid in tokyo what, what, what did you do to train you know you said you were in Florida was that because that must have been a, a huge part of your your training too was it or yeah
3: early yeah. um you know just because the weather winter time in Scotland and that. Yeah. But you know what? I did most of my training in Scotland for okay. that way. But what I did was I trained in like um this sort of like um gym room that we had. Right. But the the room the like in the room we had like a hot tub and things so it was like very, very humid in oh, there. Yeah. And I did ridiculous sessions in there. Yeah. So I had like a little heat and <laughs> humidity <laughs> chamber nice. well before my time. <laughs>
0: A, well, D- uh, DIY humi- a DIY commit,
3: a DIY I know. i some ridiculous sessions in there, and then obviously, and then I went um out to Tokyo early, uh-huh. so that um that I would acclimatise when I was out there. So I, I went out early to make sure that um I had like one of my ten my ten thousand key sessions done um but by the way i had to cut short because the weather was just so extreme uh, and then i had another three sessions that i that i wanted to do there before yeah. i had them so we went out about three weeks before the race yeah okay and, and then, then that kind of just what you know gave me time to acclimatize and whatever but um the main the main work we done in scotland yeah
0: oh, wow oh wow That's a very there you go folks um so yeah make sure if you can't get to any humid mm-hmm. places Liz will tell you how to set up a wee acclimatised centre. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so well, yeah, so, uh,
3: so yeah. She's got a little gym that's got a treadmill and okay. um, and her room's a lot smaller than where mine was, and um, it, it just wraps up in the heat. So uh, it's a it's good little way. To, get some heat acclimatisation. Yeah, I think
0: Calm Hawkins has been doing a wee bit All of
3: that, did has it? it, yeah. yeah. He heaters in his
0: paris, didn't Aye. <laughs> Aldi heaters or something. <laughs> <Little ones>. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> i
3: for Lidl <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I want, before I move on to talk about the marathon, I just want to, like, you know, chat about your strategy, like, in races. Were you, what would, did you find you were better suited to, you know, a lot of the races I see you just go to the gun and you you know you go for it and or do you are you better tactically or how do you approach different races um
3: what happened to me was as a youngster yeah I was always beating a strength finish yeah like you
2: know okay always
3: I'm not I'm not one of these um runners that that's able to um you know do like a a 27 last 200 you know like Spun 29, 29, 29, so the cows come home, but trying to get yeah. on a 27, it ain't going to happen. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, so I used to run all these races and, you know, always be out kicked. So, when I started developing, you know, in a, a senior athlete and running well, and and being in mind back then there wasn't any pacemakers, yeah. I just thought to myself, what's the point uh, yeah. sitting in and letting these people just you know, kick past you all the time. So, you know, whether I'm at the front and pushing the pace or at the back, I've got more opportunity to run the race that's good for me. Yeah. So, yeah. I always took the stance of, and by the way too, you know, you've got to remember that the, you know, most of the races are 3k or 1500. Yeah. So, I was always on right. yeah. so I always thought myself, well, I'd rather come third or seventh but make sure that I've got a PD out of it or yeah, trained or well, these harder than a train. Because at the end of the day, I'd be better off just staying in Dundee in training yeah. if I'm not going to get something out of the race. So sort of like eight times out of ten, it meant that I ended up leading it because I just wanted to make sure that I got something out of the race rather yeah. than going home and getting frustrated. Yeah. Because I could have did a harder training session if I was just going to sit in and run 4.12. So I used to try and run sub five. you know. Yeah. That's just the way it was. Yeah. And um and I was always going into races like, like for instance, uh, you know, I'd, I'd do a 3K at Crystal Palace, GB against Germany, and I would have done a fat leg in the morning. Oh,
2: wow. Because,
3: Jeez. you know, I'm yeah. training for 10K, I wasn't training for 3K. Yeah. So a lot of the yeah. time, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, Liz has got beaten again, but they didn't know that, <laughs> you know, it was the second set today. But, you know, I couldn't afford... Not to race, but at the same time, I couldn't afford to back off all my training too. So, yeah. you know, I went into races knowing I was going to get beat sometimes. But
2: yeah.
3: that's not what, you know, racing's there for a reason. It's not all about winning. It's about, you know, getting something out of it. And so I was one of these runners that back then, I always wanted a purpose. I always wanted to gain something out of it. I did not want to go home and think like, well, geez, I would been better staying at home and training, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah. And,
3: and the big thing back then was, you know, there weren't any pacemakers. You know, you didn't have the luxury of knowing somebody's going to run through in sixty three, sixty four the whole way, you know yeah. what I mean? For a 1500, um, or for, you know, your 67s, for your threes and whatever, like, so, um, so yeah, so I, I just used to take, I just used to go for it,
2: once,
3: <laughs> <Right. laughs> <Well>, then <laughs> so, you know, but, um, but yes, but I, I was always consistent in my running, I wasn't one of these runners that, you know, you probably get a bit of four-second differential from what I'd run all the time, because I just always pushed
0: it. Yeah. Wow, that's it. so. In in terms of like, were you more sort of quality rather than quant? I mean, you you trained a hell of a lot. I know that, but did you focus more on quality sessions rather than lots of volume, lots of easy running, or was it like a a com- combination of them both? Yeah. Yeah, very much an interval runner. Yeah. You no, know, um, you know, even
3: even for ten k, even when I moved to the marathon, you know, I still. Was very much a, a 10k interval based runner. You know, still running sort of 10k speed, but just doing more reps. Yeah. Okay. That's the kind of the with me. And it was the same when I went to 10k. You know, um, I, 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 you know, I always kept a really good um, quality of running and what I was doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and and very much track based. That like, you know, I never sort of ran on grass or anything. Either road or track. You know, okay. I always ran on a hard surface rather than grass. And I think I was just very economical on those surfaces. You know, if I went on grass, it was like Bambi on ice, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. In that way. And then yeah. I'd run the floor and so I'd be like, right, hey, stop that, I'm not doing that. So, you know, over the years, I just always ran road and track all the time. Yeah, right. um, and Being in mind, though, I got a silver and a bronze at the cross country, so I wasn't too bad. I was going to say, but, you weren't, you weren't too I, shabby at that. <laughs> yeah, I think I could have been a lot better if I'd actually trained on the right. grass and actually made the effort to do it. Yeah, I yeah. think I would have. You know, there was one year where I, I should have won it, but yeah. I didn't because I didn't train on the grass. I knew that I got stuck in the mud every time I ran round ah. it. You know, I just couldn't <laughs> get through the mud because I hadn't been running, you know, in that sort of terrain. Yeah, and I'd be in the leaf, and then every time it came to the churned up mud, I'd get caught, and I'd be in the leaf me finished mine, I got caught. Oh, no. I was the yeah, second actually for Scotland, but that's another story. But um, yeah, but yeah um, so you know, very very efficient over um, intervals, and and you know, and to be honest, I I loved interval training. You know things like um, when I was a ten k on a like yeah. six by mile, twenty four hundred, ten by a k, all that sort of stuff. And when I moved to the mar, and it'd be ten by a mile. And,
0: you
3: know, okay. it's just sort of add the extra reps on, but still
0: running them at a fair, yeah, you know. Yeah, fair pace. Well,
3: that's like, what yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. yeah. So, so was it like mix between sort of marathon pace and 10k sort of pace? Was was that the main spectrum when you are training for the marathon? Or was it like, you know, sh- yeah, sharper I mean, than that? Or? Like, you know, I've, I've always been a high-mile person. I mean, as I said, like, right
3: at the start, even at 16, I was running 90 miles a week. Yeah. As a track runner, I was running 105 miles a week. Yeah. As a marathon runner, I was running 140 miles a week. So yeah. even though I did intervals, they were, you know, they were very much bulked up. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, 10 by a mile, um, and then uh, you know an evening run or whatever. Yeah. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't that. Um, you know, I was a very very high miles person as well. Yeah. But I liked to do my miles quick. I never did slow miles.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's interesting yeah, you say yeah. that it's uh, a lot. A lot of the marathon runners, like we spoke to, like you know, Calum and Derek and um, some of the other marathon girls, like they do this. Their easy runs at quite a, a steady pace, you know. And uh, I, yeah. I, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, so well, let's move on. To, well, just briefly about the marathon, and it could chat to you for hours, Liz. But <laughs> it's uh, I don't want to take up all your time. But um, what right. was the you know the 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 New York Marathon was your first sort of debut marathon, and uh, I think from what I remember, it's, you, you you went to the marathon quite quite quickly and maybe unexpected. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you know that transition? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just
3: won wonder... the. Tokyo 10K yes. um, on on the track and um it was about four four days after I won it or something, Fred LePoe, he was the um director of the New York Marathon. Um yeah. he invited all the elites and whatever. And um he phoned me up and he said, um, oh Liz, he's never gonna believe it. He said just at a, a press conference and the two girls that were running New York that year were Lisa Ondineke and Rosa Mota, who were two of the best women marathon runners in the world at that time.
2: Yeah,
3: OK. And, uh, and uh, he said to me, oh, you know, they were asked a question, oh, a young Scottish girl's just won the 10,000 metres on the track. Do you ever think she'll be any food at a marathon? And they both turned around and said no. They oh. both said um, she far too much energy, um, she'll never be a road racer and all this sort of stuff. And Fred said to me, you want to come and prove it wrong? Yes. And I said, yeah, well, like, <laughs> I was really missed. I was like, I can't believe somebody could be so flippant. Oh. And just, oh, no, you know, you should be rubbish at it. Fuel the
0: fire up.
3: So, yeah, so I really, I literally just said yeah on the sport. And I had, like, about, I think it was about seven or eight weeks training for it. Yeah. And all I did was add a couple of, I did a 20-mile run. No, I did a 19-mile run. Yeah. And I did... A 16 mile one. And then I did a big long fat leg that covered about 13 miles. Okay. And then all this was just my fitness from the track. Yeah. And I went in 226. Wow. But again, I, I in that, you know, I, I did run 105 miles a week. for the You know, so I have background. You yeah, know, yeah. Like I just went in, I had any miles in my legs or whatever. Yeah. I did, you know, as a track runner, especially for my ten I never ran any further than 12 miles. Oh, right wow that's you know? so yeah. like step up to suddenly do the longer and to be honest like it just felt so slow because i've been so used to running <laughs> so much
0: so fast yeah,
3: yeah. it was because I'm, I'm really suited to naturally i think to endurance running i think i can just run for every when i get to a pace yeah so for me stepping up it was just a right eye opener to say oh wow you know i'm really suited to this it's yeah. fine but uh, i think in a way, I think it was a bit, you know, I should have stayed at the track a wee bit longer because when I did New York, it was all of a sudden, oh, you know, it's a marathon runner and then all of a sudden, you know, it was like riding the marathon and I felt that I had a bit of unfinished business on the track and I never really got to finish it okay. because I then moved That's to the great. marathon. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, is it's
3: is
0: yeah, a, so it a big jump, but, you know, when I suppose you must have got like, a real flavour for winning something like the New York Marathon. It must have been, like, amazing oh, yeah. to...
3: To do yeah, it's amazing. I, a, I won a car and um, oh, nice. I got to, down to um uh, the stock exchange and start the the bell stock exchange and everything. It was like oh, really what? weird. It was like yeah. so good, yeah. It was really <laughs> yeah. amazing because New York's really big, eh? Like, yeah. Like, London, I mean, it's you know massive big city, market and and um, it's like. You know, it was pretty amazing to, you know, and it was all new because it was obviously so much different from the track. You don't get, you know, 56,000 people running the same race as you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like all that buzz that you get and all the streets, lines from start to finish, you just don't get that. And it was like, it was such a great experience. And as I say, it just moved me right into the marathon, which I love doing like, so
0: yeah. yeah. Were you, you know, from that sort of transition, this maybe kind of rewinds back and, were you, you know as, a, as an athlete at that level were you, were you looked after or, you know did you have like a sponsor and how was that for you no. did, was, were you supported well no. or do you think you know did you feel a bit isolated or how was that like? oh
3: no 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 um. When when I won the Commonwealth Games, I ended up getting some sponsors. So, like, yeah. I, I think I've been sponsored from every shoe company possible. First was Kangaroo, which <laughs> okay. probably never yeah. was probably I was then I was in the States. They gave me shoes for free. Nice. And then I was sponsored for, a, for about a year from Reebok. Okay. And then I was sponsored from Nike, who dropped me when I was pregnant. Really? Um Blood, yeah. And then, yeah, Nike. Night dropped me because I was pregnant. Because uh, no woman could get back running back then yeah. after you get a baby. Jesus. Um, well, so they thought. And yeah. then um, asics actually picked me up about three days before the World Championship final. Um, I was in the the kit shop in Tokyo. Yeah. And a little Japanese guy come up to me and he says, "Well, how are you and whatever?" And I says, "Who you are you?" Because I know who you are. I know who you are. Oh, okay. And he says. And he spoke to me. And he says, "Are you who are you And I said "No, sponsor." And he's like, "What is that?" And so he signed me on the spot, oh, wow. which was like, amazing. and then I was signed. Uh, yeah, it was a guy called Magashi, okay. and I signed with Asics on the spot, and yeah. that was me till the end of my career. Oh wow! So they were my right through. I never went to any other shoe company. That they yeah. were, they were my sponsor. A really, really good, um, you know, sort of like. Even when you were injured, they really supported you and cared yeah. for you. Very, very. Um, you know, I would say like, you know, the other family. You know, you got when you got to know them, real, really, really supportive, and um, good and bad. Yeah. Um. So, so you know, I was very fortunate to be um with a company that that did look after me yeah. really well. When I, when I got to um, after Tokyo, and that, I signed up with um a management agent called Kim McDonald. Okay. Um and he was like one of the biggest managers that managed, you know, all the top passes. Yeah. Okay. Um in, in the sport. And so he was the one that, you know, arranged my travel, got me into my races and uh, you know, um all that you know, all that sort of stuff. He he sort of all that and you know, and I so I was at, like you know, back in the day it was still um amateurs so it all had to go into a trust fund and so you went so you retired so um british athletics or whatever you want to call them back then they had people on a board that managed all these trust funds for the athletes so Mm. you you know you're still amateur you weren't professional and then once all that sort of yeah and then once all that sort of like changed and whatever um that was kind of towards me literally retirement if you know what i mean yeah yeah. um uh, last couple of years, um I left Kim in I do I leave Kim? In about ninety four oh, oh in, in late nineties I left Kim and then my husband then sort of dealt with things yeah. and then um I then retired in ninety seven. So so yeah. yeah, when you get to that level you usually have a manager, but get to all your race and whatever and you'll probably have a kit sponsorship of some kind. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: Oh, that,
0: oh, it's it's really good to hear. You know, like you you had somebody who did look after you, like someone like Asics, and to do that, it's, it's brilliant. So, um, so yeah, yeah. So, um, but you have
3: to get to a certain like back then, you had to get to a, a, quite a level to aye. get that support eh? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Me, you see, so many people getting like a lot of support at a lot lower level yeah, nowadays.
2: Yeah
0: and and yeah. it just shows how, how tough, tough it was for tough. you back then like you know to to do what you've done and, you know as a female in the sport with you know the distances that you excelled at not really available as you were growing up to to now and uh is, is incredible and uh, another one what to chat about kind of you know Tokyo you did Tokyo Marathon in, in 1992 and um London Marathon. Uh, I was watching a wee bit of this and we've been doing a an like an episode, like just an installment of the London Marathon through the years during the, the, the lockdown. Just a you know, a bit of bit of news. There's nothing happening, so we'll be chatting about that and there uh, you know, what was that was your first was that your first London marathon in ninety six, was it? Um I've been five,
3: so I was yeah. fifth in ninety Five was it? Ninety-five. Okay. No,
0: yeah, ninety-five. I think I was fifth. Yeah. And then I was second twice and won it. Yeah. and I think you won so it. In Ninety-six. No, yeah. Was,
3: first two seconds, a third, and a fifth. Yeah. In
0: the five years that I ran it. Yeah. yeah. And how was what was that like to win London?
3: Oh, it, it was good to win it because you know obviously I ran it a few times before and you know I'd finished fifth, I was yeah. second, and it was just like. Um, you know, I really, really wanted to win it, if you yeah. know what I mean. Um, and uh, it was, going into it again, it, you know, I was in good shape. And I think, like, again, because it's in London and, you know, it's home support, it just makes it all the more better for the athletes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you you yeah. can really pick up your, even if you're feeling rubbish, when there's so much home support, it just gives you that, and I know some people will say, "Oh, it doesn't make a difference," but it really does. Yeah. You know, it really lifts you up, and it gives you the, an energy that you really don't get when you're racing elsewhere.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. And so for me to win in London again, it was just amazing. And the good thing about it was, you know, I had my mum and that down and um, it was a really big family affair to win it as well. Because oh. I'd tried it a couple of times, and then yeah. obviously I hadn't won it. You know, um, nothing worse than common sense. <laughs>
0: yeah so yeah so that was that must have been an incredible experience and yeah just the, the and atmosphere well,
3: and amazing amazing experience and uh it, it was um a year that my brother won it as well so you oh, know wow. my okay. mum was there and my brother was there and yeah um it was just really an amazing event but to actually win it and you know like just running down that mall on your own and the buzz of the of the um spectators and, yeah. uh, you know, it's just amazing. feeling you know, probably one of the highlights for me personally because, you know, if you're British, it makes a difference. Hi. You know, it really, uh-huh. really does make a difference and to win it on home soil and yeah. Britain and, you know, it, it just, you know, it ticks all those boxes. Yeah. Um, as those sort of very, you know, one race is right up there where you're at the top of your career and the experiences that you've experienced.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, it's, I, I remember watching it, you know, I was like 11 years old and, it was just, I couldn't believe it, you know, and, and, you know, here I am speaking to you, you know, this is, uh, this is why I do podcasting, like, yeah, to get inspired, it's amazing. Now, I suppose, you know, you know, before I, we kind of chat briefly about Ailish and, um, I want to give you the, it's about you, and, um, I know she's a big obviously, your daughter and things, but, so that, so that was, that was kind of, you know, you, you had really good few years of running, and, um, and one of the things, you know, as an athlete, you're level, what, did you find it challenging to 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 put to hang up your shoes, or you know what what was that like? Um, oh
3: yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. What happened to me was, um, towards the latter end of my career, I developed arthritis in my feet. Right. And for many many years, I just ignored it and just ran on it and ultrasounded it and you know um, tried to get reflexes all or, all or, or, tried everything, but for many many years um ignored it and it got to the point where um the arthritis had um created like an ulcer in my bone oh. and so my whole toe bone was rotted from like the the joint up to the top of the toe.
2: Yeah.
3: And um I was sort of advised saying like, you know, um if you go and get an operation, six weeks you'll be back running.
2: Right, so okay. I went
3: into hospital got the operation and the operation sadly didn't work. Oh. And I had 15 operations later, five skin grafts, because I lost all the skin on the top of my foot. So I had five skin grafts. Oh, yeah. um, And I was pretty much in a, a plastic cast for a year where the foot was just pretty much wrecked. And then, nice. um, you know, you always think, like, even, even in the plastic cast, I'd be on a bike, I'd be on the elliptical. Yeah. You know, always thinking, you know, once this is off, I'll get back, I'll get back. And you know, one year went by, and two years went by, and I was trying and trying, and the foot just wouldn't hold up. Yeah. Um, you know, I fractured it again, and it was it was just um, very very unhealthy. And, um, they actually kind of um, removed the toe, and, and it's like I've got a, a toe from a bone from my hip. Right.
2: So you know, I All have right.
3: a bone graft there, yeah. and um, and again, it, it's just not functional enough for to get back to you know where like any form of speed work i mean i can't just get on my toes at all And yeah. um, even now if i run i run on the outside of my foot which you know biomechanically isn't good yeah. and it's very stressful to the metatarsal. so you know i get a lot of stress fractures and whatever to other bones in my foot because of the way i actually try to run yeah but um so yeah so it was it was taken away from me if you know what you know the the mind wasn't ready to retire yeah. and the body couldn't hold up and um I really, really struggled massively for yeah. for several years. Um, got really depressed about it, um, you know, um just kept yeah. trying to battle and nothing happening and um you know, and, and i it, it, it was it wasn't a very very good time but um yeah. you know, I, I got to a stage where, you know, um, I accepted the fact, you know, sort of three three years later, four years later I was kinda like, you know, I'm not gonna get back and then right. Um, I got into um being chair of Scottish Athletics actually and that yeah. kind of like gave me a right big focus there and I was actually at the coaching by then as well. I was coaching a wee girl called Colette Sagan who's oh, yeah, yeah, from Glasgow. Yeah. And um Colette got um a junior bronze at the European Juniors for five K. Uh-huh. and um so I kinda of busied myself starting doing other things and then when I was in the Chair of Scottish Athletics we were doing the indoor season in the cross country and um we were really needing to get some publicity for the event and that, you chat know, so chat sponsors, and I thought, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, I'll go and run. Okay. And um, I went and ran um, the fastest time in Europe for the 3K that year, just off of nothing. Oh, and then I thought, <laughs> oh, you know, I'm going to get back in here. yeah And everybody saying, oh, you're going to go to the European Union? And I was like, oh, I might do that, like, you know. And then, <laughs> yeah. like, the next week, the street's adapted again. Oh. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to end up, like, not being able to walk when I'm older, I don't mind run. So, yeah. um so that was me then you know I, it was a definite you know I, I'm not that's me I'm done yeah. Um, but yeah it, it was very very difficult uh, you know it's really difficult when it's not a planned retirement. time yeah. and you know if it is an injury and things and, and you, for me um, you know I I miss the you know it's, I miss the competitiveness of what I was doing yeah, okay. and even now uh, I, I miss that um, you know the thrill
2: yeah. of the
3: race if you know what I mean and testing yourself, um, and you know, and I think it's something that's always on the back burner of because you're such a competitive animal. Yeah. When you get to that level, um, it's really, really difficult to deal with.
0: Yeah. And do you find um, you know, now that Ailish is, you know, she's uh, getting closer to some of those and surpassing some of those records that that you've held? And um, do you find this, you know, you're coaching Ailish as well? Yeah. 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 Do Do, do you find do you get some some success and do you do you kinda try and live through her shoes as well sometimes and, and experience no, never. that thrill
3: no no it, no no. Yeah. It doesn't work that way with me and Aelish. Um yeah. I mean I've oh. always known that Ailish could run since she was like a baby. Yeah. And for me, um I'm just so um proud of her being able to do what she's doing, and it's nothing about her being competitive to the level that I was. I mean, I think I've only got one household record now, I think she's got them all. She has, actually. No, I've got two. I've still got the 10k and I've got the marathon, so I'm still a bit of hope there. um, (laughs) um, Fingers crossed, yeah. See, you know, it's kind of, um, with Eilish, it's... Um, and it's not because she's my daughter. Yeah. Um. Because I coach her, and I've coached her since she's 12, so I've developed her the whole way through, and I think that's very unusual.
2: Yeah. You know, because yeah. normally, it's you
3: know, you have a kid and, you'll be, and then they'll move on, or, you know, they don't make it through. You know, but to have an athlete that you've coached since the age of 12, right through, and by the way, 28 now, and still coaching her. Yeah. Um. So
2: it's as amazing. a
3: coach, I'm, um, and I've learned an awful lot from coaching her, that helps me coach other children and other people, and you know, and and um, so it's actually developed me as a coach as well because of the problems that we face faced with, because she has had a lot of problems yeah. as she's grown up. Ah. And um, for me as a coach, it's just like um, a great partnership, yeah. and it's it's not so you know it's not uh, mother daughter. I mean, as a mother daughter, um, a, you know, couldn't be any more prouder of her. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's, she's just an amazing, amazing person. Well, I think um, just for the person that she's turned out I think you know I think she's um, you know she's she's very good for the sport yeah, I think she's absolutely, very fresh yeah. for the sport Um, I think you know she sort of has everything that would um, pertain to what you'd want athletes to do with the yeah. sport for youngsters coming through yeah. Um, and you know I'm just very very honoured and proud to be coach and
0: mother yeah amazing it's a very
3: unusual
0: partnership yeah and do you know what like you know you see the resemblance in in, in both of you as you you're all you know both of you are dedicated determined you work hard you've you've had challenges you know of Ailish's injuries she's had and to overcome that and to you know just to be doing breaking records and and, and you know being so successful is just phenomenal and it's a, a massive mm-hmm. inspiration to see, you know, both Ailish and yourself, um, you know, well in the the Scottish athletics scene and calendar. It's, yeah, really proud to, to, to look up to you guys. It's, it's great. So, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, the,
3: the pathway to the top is always rocky, eh? right? I mean, I think, I think if you talk to anybody that's, you know, been successful in any sport, they'll, they'll always be down there because it's like a roller coaster. Nothing goes, you know, from the bottom to the top without some things going wrong. And the people that make it are those that are the ones that are strong enough yeah. to deal with the bad times and the negative times, and you know they find a way um to actually keep the drive going forward and it might be the wrong way, it might be the right way, yeah. but you know they they've got something about them that they they thought like they nearly give up, but they don't quite give up, and you know we've all got stories that we can tell um to, you know of the route that it's took to get there, but I think that um, you know, with athletics, you, you know, it's a it's a driven determination um, and stubbornness that yeah. gets us there at the end, especially with endurance. You know, you've just got to keep banging your head against the wall sometimes yeah. to get through things. Um, and there's no, you know, um, quick way or uh, guaranteed way to make it to the top. And I think even though Ailish has a very, you know, lots like, really, really difficult. I mean, I was lucky, I didn't have injuries at all like Ailish. Yeah. Uh, and for Ailish to actually have overcome, the, you know, like, the injuries, a different event, you know, having the confidence to actually try something new. Yeah. Um. When, in an area that she never, ever thought that she would be good at. If you told Ailish, you know, when she was like, 13, 14, 15, or you'd run a 10K or a and she'd be like, oh, no way will yeah. I ever do that. You know, 3,000, that's it. That's, I've not yeah. got that in endurance. But, you know, um, it's great to see her journey and how she's opened up to a host of, and creating a host of new possibilities. Yeah. From something that could have been the other direction, because, like, you know, when she did her injury, she could have just walked away through the sport, but she was like, no, nah, I'll give it a try, you know, because yeah. it was me that said to her, you know, get to the flat let's do 5k running and, and you know she was like yep yeah, let's do it yeah and you know it's just amazing how she was able just to find that inner strength and you know it doesn't come from me or uh, a dad or whatever it comes from me she, yeah and that's you know and and she um she is quite an inspirational young woman yeah even no. for me yeah. you know i think she she's um she shows a lot of courage and determination for where she's at, at the moment
0: yeah she's a massive ambassador for the sport as you know it's, it's really exciting to see her currently you know as an athlete and and also like you know stepping up to the marathon that'll be that'll be exciting too and uh, be yeah yeah and when i think it was it 2022 or 20 when is it she's looking 2024 wasn't it the... well we had
3: we had planned um obviously before all the the cancellation of yeah. all the events to the virus um we had planned on moving up to the marathon after Tokyo, yeah. so now Tokyo's been delayed, so obviously our plans have been delayed because um, yeah. you know, uh, she really needs to get a good 10k in on the track now and then we'll focus more towards the roads yeah. and then a step up to the marathon. So it won't be a marathon the next year, Um, yeah. it'll be a step up to it. Yeah, oh brilliant. Oh. a more emphasis on road racing and half marathons and that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, but just one final question about coaching and, and you're you're in Doha, so you're coaching a club there, are you coaching athletes from Doha and, yeah. you know, is that a mix of like face-to-face club coaching as well as like, you know, remote coaching with, with Eilish and things like that? that yeah, that um, what we
3: do is in Doha, we are the only club that coaches boys and girls um, of all nationalities. Um oh, yeah. In athletics really. Yeah. Um there's no other club that does it. Um we also do um fitness running for adults. Yeah. And then obviously I have uh, online where we do online um coaching and that as well, but yeah. Um and then obviously I've got athletes that I you know, I coach Ailish, I coach Ali Kiefer, um, yeah. you know, there's a couple of other national people that we actually coach as well. Yeah. So, um so yeah, you know, it's a, it keeps us on our toes. Um coaching is our main you know, our main thing now. Yeah. Um as I say. But um you know, remote coaching works you know, it works really well if you get a lot of feedback and information and so the people that I work with are with people that are very upfront and very open yeah. and give a lot of direction back. Okay. Yeah. And you know, and that's that's how it works for me because I'm quite a, a hands on, very um, full on yeah. coach like with my athletes, and I get quite close to them and get to know them very, very well. Yeah. But, um, but um. yeah, that, uh, you need to you need to have a lot of information if you're going to do it online, which is like with Ailish, it works really well because I know what she's having yeah. to do in breakfast, morning and tea. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Um, and the good thing about Ailish too, and, and not only Ailish but the people that you work with, um, they've got to have respect for the body, so that you know. Um, They've got to understand that, you know, if they get up and their heart rate is up five beats, they've got to respect that. Yeah,
2: okay. Let me
3: know, and then we change the program because yeah. um, they're in control of how their body feels. Yeah. And so if they're going to get sick, if they're not feeling 100%, they've got to be honest with themselves so that they don't overlay um, train or, or train when or push in training when they shouldn't because yeah. they're below power. So, um, so we work a lot on them developing their own awareness yeah. of. You know, like you know the way sometimes if you think get up and think, Oh, you know, I don't feel like right. I'm not doing a train session, so you feel guilty for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. And then and then and then you sort of like squeeze it in because you've missed it. Yeah. You know, that type yeah. of feeling. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I work you <laughs> know, I, I work on getting them to get rid of that, you know, so that uh, if they miss a the day there's no guilt or whatever, it's yeah. because your body's telling you you need that recovery or whatever. And um and it's uh, you know, and it works really well because they really get a good feeling for when not to do
0: something and when to do something. So, yes, it works well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, one final question before we found uh, like I did say that was going to be the last coaching one, but it's maybe not as yeah. a coaching one as such. Um, what would you, you know, we, all, we kind of a- ask this question a lot, to uh, you know, role models like yourself. Um, what would you, what one bit of advice would you give li- the listeners who are listening, you know, and the, our range is from pe- elite athletes to, you know, um, People who just want to complete a certain distance, what what would you give them in terms of the advice from the the sport of running? For, for just anybody sort of starting,
3: just to go for five k or ten k, just normal people running.
0: Yeah, 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 uh, think, uh, yeah. That yeah. and and really any anyone really who who, who yeah. is looking again running. I mean, is... I
3: think the, the the best piece of advice that. I could give anybody is concentrate on you as an athlete and not on what others do because you know um, it's all about your development and you know one training program does not suit all Mm -hmm. so you've got to discover what type of athlete you are and what makes you tick and then you work with what's best for you and not what's particularly best for your mate or a person that's, like, if you want to run 30 minutes and you look in a magazine, you see, oh, well, Mo Phi did this, so I'm going to do what Mo did. No, it's not the best thing to do. You know, you can look at what other people do, but then you've got to decipher that and see how does that fit with what you are and what you're doing to make you better because we're all different shapes, forms, strengths and weaknesses, and you have really got to discover yourself. So I would say take the time to discover the athlete in you and then work on developing that rather than worrying about you know, other people's um programmes and what they're doing. And also learn to appreciate yourself so that when you are tired, you learn to respect that you know, you are tired for a reason and don't get any big guilt trip that you've got to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. You yeah. know, learn how the body feels and respect it so that you get full recovery. Because the smartest trainers in the world are those that recover best.
0: Okay. Wow, that's amazing advice. Wow. Uh, usually, somebody just says, "Just enjoy it." That's like that's really good advice. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, it's been an absolute privilege to to speak to you, and yeah, you know, I've learned so much just chatting to you. Is amazing. So, just before we go, I'll, I'll fire some uh, fartlek questions to you. Um, okay. You, you decide how long or short the fartlek can be. I'll let, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> Alright. Um, miles or kilometers. Miles.
3: miles.
0: Rest day or recovery run.
3: Recovery
0: done. Nice. What's your favorite, have you got a favorite movie?
3: Beaches but with Bette Midler.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Pasta or Rice? Rice. Nice. Have you got a running hero?
3: A bit of Ice. Oh, nice. Only because she, like, I met her and um, she was uh, the best, as the female distance runner when I was growing up, like world records below or yeah. one me or whatever. And she actually
0: ended up coaching me as well, so I've been on her. But yeah, great advice. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Amazing coach to have. Uh, yeah. You know, why? Morning shuffle or evening centre. Morning shuffle. I'm more a morning person okay. than a night. yeah. Pre-race meal?
3: Porridge.
0: Porridge. What's your least favourite running race? Least favourite
3: least, least running race?
0: Yeah. Um. Oh,
3: that's a difficult
0: one. Or what? Let, let's I've take... not got a least favourite
3: because like, I always used to love running. Even, <laughs> if
0: it, even like, I mean, I jump at local races and everything just yeah. to get a run. So I've got not got a least favourite one at all. Yeah. No. Yeah, fair enough. What fit? This is this is one that's bespoke to you, Dundee or Doha. Dundee. Hundred
3: hey.
0: <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> Representing GB or Scotland, what was your biggest Scotland. Event. Nice, favourite event.
3: Definitely the ten k. I yeah. love ten k running on the track. I think it's really exciting, and it really annoys me when people say it's boring because ten <laughs> k running is both a mental race and a, an endurance race yeah. physi- physiologically. And I think you know you've got a lot of things go through your head, and you want to think about how you run. It's, like strategy as well and i think it's when you get a good 10k race it it can be exciting
0: yeah and and listeners just watch liz's uh runs on youtube you'll 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 see it's not boring at all she doesn't make it boring anyway (laughs) (laughs) uh what's your favorite shoe shoe yeah
3: i like the aztec piano and the reason i like the aztec piano is because my foot's rigid yeah and if I do a lot of running, I really need um, a solid shoe that's got a lot of support. Okay. And that, that's probably the most structured shoe that I've ever run in. And right. I, I i even buy them for myself. I don't get them any more free, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, they're the, they're the ones that I go down to the sports shop and buy. pianos.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, a couple of other, last couple of questions. Do you drink beer or anything like that? Or are you, do you...
3: I don't drink. I was teetotal all my running days yep. uh, up to about thirty-two, yep. and then I was forced into drinking as I was called antisocial, okay. and so <laughs> I I started out on like I don't even know why I how I could have managed it. I drank um, sweet martini. I don't even know if you remember oh. that. It was absolutely. Disgusting. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Started out on that uh-huh. it was sweet, and it was like lemonade, and then um, now I really do like. Um, I love a good red wine. Oh, that nice. would probably be my And I, I, if I'm going, yeah, a, a good red wine would be probably my favourite drink okay. to yeah.
0: okay. drink now. And what's your favourite training session?
3: Ooh, a favourite training session would be 10 by a K with six second seconds recovery. Because oh. you, you're clipping along at a really good pace but it's still short enough recovery that it gets a bit tight towards the end.
0: Post interview, all the listeners will be doing ten by a K on Strava. So, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> one more. If you were to do one more race in your in your prime, what race do you think you would have done, or would you can repeat again, perhaps? I, yeah, Olympics. Wow. Okay. Do, any specific event? All right. I would
3: do the exact same race.
0: Yeah but I'd win it this time. Nice. (laughs) Good question, good answer. Like I know where it went
3: wrong. Put it
0: that way. Oh, amazing. Well, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've, this, this is such an amazing interview. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. I've looked up to you for so many years and, um, I'm really excited to share this with our listeners. And, um, yeah, I'll hopefully see you at some point soon, you know, if you, yeah. if, if, uh, you ever come back well, to hopefully Scotland. Hopefully
3: you will and... enjoy.
0: Yeah, oh, <laughs> they will do, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for that, Liz. Okay, Cheer pleasure
3: you. for asking me, thanks.
1: Fantastic. Liz, thank you so much for joining us on, on TRS. Uh, as Kyle said, literally recorded about an hour ago, so I haven't the chance to listen to it. I'm very excited to, to, um, to listen to it. So, moving on, news. Now, the, only bit, the first bit of news we've got, I guess, and we do this every week, but the race calendar update, another one bites the dust. EMF is now cancelled <laughs> from its postponed September slot. EMF is now gone. So, there's not much left on the race calendar now. There isn't, is there? I mean <clears throat> I mean your
0: Valencia is still on the cards, which is thank God is a good thing. Um but yeah, I I mean well, I mean what about what other marathons? Any other marathons in there? Other than London that's still on. There must be a couple other ones.
1: Well, so on that of... note, so London yeah. issued Great North Run was cancelled last week and we spoke about that. London have issued a statement and it is basically saying on the, I think it was the nineteenth of June, they've come out with a statement saying it was more of the same, like we're going to wait, we're not in a position to make a decision yet and we will, I think they, the, the the spirit they were trying to get across was we will really want to do everything we can to put a race in, in place in September um, and we'll update you in due course and they're working to do it. Which on one hand, I'm quite impressed with the statement because I really think any, it doesn't matter if you're a business, an organisation, a, a race, at the moment, you should be now looking at we can 't do what we normally do so if you' London marathon can 't just say right how do we organize the how do we run our usual race in September that October that ain't going to happen but I think people and places and all businesses should be looking at how what can we do in September so if London maybe it's an elite only race maybe it's a championship race maybe it's waved masses who knows what it will be but I hope that they are genuinely and it sounds like they are really trying to make to do everything they can to bring one about but the only the only thing i didn 't really like about it is for me, it feels like we're heading towards some kind of BS virtual race. Now, okay. I'm all for I'm all for some of the virtual races that have happened. Like you know, West Ham Way was a great example. That's a cool virtual race. The Red Red Bull Wings for Life was a cool virtual race. Actually, yeah. the first few five Ks were cool. But you know, when Boston have done it, I think if London were to do it and say, you know, if you run a marathon and we'll give you a medal, we'll keep your money. I'm not really that fussed about that, and I think that's really. I guess if you're someone who was just basically training to run your first marathon and wanted just to simply run a marathon, fine. But anyone who's got any time ambitions, that's a waste of time. You know what I mean? No one's going to do that.
0: So you think it'll be? what do you think it'll be like an elite championship only race, and then? Yeah, uh, virtual race for everyone else. Uh,
1: possibly, possibly. Uh, I don't know. But I, but I just read the wording from from the the, the, the um, Mr. Brasher last week. It just read to me, like, they were kind of warming up. It said, we're we're looking forward to doing anything we can, whether we run together or apart or something. And that phrase sort of stuck with me a little bit. I'm ad-libbing a wee bit here. I can't remember exactly what it said. But um, anyway, my first thought was, as I said, at least they're making it, it looks like they're really trying to organise something. Uh, I just think it's really difficult to envisage London being something that will interest me, if I'm honest. And that sounds really selfish, but that's... You know, and also from a I guess from a charity perspective, if they do a virtual one, they can raise money for charity. Excellent. And that's what Great Run are doing with this great run solo.
0: July, end of July, you've got until October for your event like a lot of people will be training potentially if it doesn't go ahead for nothing really, because there'll be nothing else for them to do. Well what's They're what not just what's make a decision it? like all the other marathons and just just do whatever they need to do and rather than just keep letting people, you know, have hope and, and train through something and then just it's all for nothing. I mean yeah. I know you know I know I know that's something that they've they've mentioned in the this you know the in the statement about focus on your own health and the health of those around you, focus on running and exercise is an important thing. You should be all doing it. But um yeah, I don't know, it's maybe they should just bite the bullet and just let people know what the truth you know, twenty eighth of when is it the 28th of July is the next update? That's
1: in That's in another six weeks. So what was quite... So, I mean, he says... Hugh Brasher says in his letter, I'm sure that most listeners will have read this, but he says, as I write, there are currently just over 15 weeks before the planned date of our 40th race on Sunday, 4th of October. Therefore, on the usual timescale for our event, we are currently at the equivalent of the first week of January. Now, I'd be, I would be and i think that is a that is like literally week 1 of of london training usually the first week of january that's when you think right shake out my new year's hangover i'm cracking on and i'm training for for london now i think 6 weeks down the line 10 weeks out is too late i tend to be yeah, yeah. um i I'll put it this way i'm going to i'm going to do a marathon block this year regardless but i won't be starting it for london cuz i don't think it's going to happen i'll start it for uh, Chicago, um, uh, Chicago, so I'm reading the, reading the word Chicago on the screen. Started Valencia, for, uh, Valencia. but anyway, out. I just thought that was it was a little bit like I think I tend to agree with you that they, they they should just need to make a decision on this now. Everyone else seems to have, um, this is the word I was looking for, um, the yeah, yeah, studio yeah, together, yeah, running anyway. I'm, I'm blithering a wee bit here, but that I just felt that. Yeah, we still don't know whether we'll be able to run together, walk together and be together. Um, and you think, yeah, that, I think they're setting up the scene for something virtual, which I'm sure they will do a very good job of for the yeah. bulk of the field. But I think anyone who has a time ambition, it's not really there. So, yeah, a bit of a disappointment. Um, I, I was actually... One that's,
0: uh, that's to their favour is the price of the entry for London is so cheap compared to all the other marathon majors. yeah. You no, know, like you know, so even if it was to go virtual, then hopefully they, they still, the the actual event as well is still financially stable for the years ahead as well and the sponsors. And things. Yeah. So,
2: you know, I, think, to some it, other I race, think
0: for London race set or events, they're going to be in sure. turmoil, you know?
1: And They'll be hurting big time. Yeah, I mean, it's a real. It'll be a real concern to see which which races survive for next year. And I think. EMF will be interesting. I mean, obviously, that's they have three events on one day. I imagine that's you know for them to lose to have to put, or cancel their full setup—that's a shame. Um, mm. And it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and it was interesting. I was on the with my club hat on tonight. I was on the Scottish Athletics, uh Zoom call um, on regarding the you know way forward for clubs with regard to COVID, which is why I was unfortunately able to join the Liz McColgan interview. But I mean. The the message that and they're touring the Scot the 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 Sports Scotland the Scottish government line to be fair they're saying that it looks like I mean I think it's I'm not saying anything that's not already in the calendar it looks I would be very surprised if we have any any races before September I think August I, I just don't see it happening but it's really interesting I think they're on a difficult one I think the government you know without going too political I think the government I'd really not like I don't really I don't agree with the government guidelines from last week this five mile rule is nonsense. Um, Scottish athletics to be fair i think they're you know they 're just cascading guidance they don 't really have the seat at that table for the decision making but to say that you can 't travel more than five miles to go for a run is nonsense you know if we if we we're trying to get our some our some of our club sessions back up and running and imagine that we look at going to sessions with four or five athletes with you know within three households say the big problem at the moment is i it, it's it 's like eight miles for me to get to one of our key sessions up at the a c c so so I can't go to club training because it's eight rather than five miles. And that's where this, it's a, I think the government guidelines are lacking and actually to not allow people to travel more than five miles to exercise is, is a nonsense. And it's not only affecting running, it's affect it'll affect, you know, plenty, plenty sports where you need to travel to either a facility or, or a open space to do it. And I, I just think that they need to, you know, if, some, if somebody wanted to go and play a game of tennis right now, I think we should be encouraging people to get back. Okay, that, you know with your two separate households playing a game of tennis for example should be fine but if the courts are more than five miles from you rural communities are getting really hard done by here if you're a running club in a rural uh, setting your athletes are not all within five miles
0: yeah well look at fife yeah all over the show absolutely or central yeah, well, even so like i think Aberdeen, it's really difficult and, uh, Aberdeen's is more than five miles in some you know some of the suburbs
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, as I say, I live more than five miles away from the sports centre where we meet. So that, you know, so, so so I think they need to, I was really disappointed in that the government guidelines weren't updated on that point. I think the the three households, yeah, okay, they're staging it up. You can probably swallow that. But the that's not so good. And then it looks like they're reviewing the two metre gap, which is, uh, I don't know. I think that's really difficult. I've, I've run with some friends last week within the guidelines and I found it really difficult to, to run two meters apart,
0: especially Absolutely. when you're in the trail as well,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's apparently, when you're mm-hmm. in uh, in a single file, you should be five meters apart. Which I don't know. I think it's it's so impractical. There's one thing having rules, but they need to be pra- need to be they need to be suitable to put in place. So, yeah.
3: um,
1: But you know, I think it's on. I think um, we're maybe rambling a wee bit here, but I think it's on athletes, clubs, and and you know, as as well as Scottish Athletics to to feed that back to their local politicians and you know. Right. If if you're someone who's bleeding on on Facebook or Twitter or or wherever you're bleeding, pick up a pick. Go on and send an email or I'll write a letter because I can assure these people. I've seen some nonsense on Facebook. Posts are doing nothing. No. If you want if you want, to, if you want your voice to be heard, you need to speak to someone rather than just bleat out. Anyway, we're no. getting probably too political here, but I just thought no. that was a real shame last week. Real shame well, that we fresh do. off
0: the, again. It's it's fresh off the off the press from your your side. So good. Good to cascade that back and tell people what you've been you've been chatting about and your views so nah well but let's just, let's
1: kind of well, lighten just the... well one one thing i want just i just do want to throw out there is i've got a lot of sympathy for scotch i think they're doing a very good job to manage a very difficult subject though because i'm very i'm very like tunnel visioned on you know basically you know road running which is what our club's doing think about you know use of a sandpit for long jump think about use of a mat for a high jump think about um you know, visually impaired athletes who need to run with a guide who may not live with them, you know, a different household. There are so many difficult things to look at. Um, think about, you know, facilities where you don't own the, you, you don't, the track is there, but you don't have the floodlights potentially. You just need to turn them on, getting access. It's a really big subject. And I think that they're managing it pretty well. Um, and they're keeping the clubs in the loop, which is the main thing. You know, we can't ask, yeah. you know, much more than that. I think they're, they're not being dealt the best hand by the Scottish government.
0: No, no, well, all right, well, thanks for the update, Tom. And I'm sure they we anyway, got
1: go, go to your, your lighter result. Well, I was going to chat
0: about something <laughs> before that. Christian Coleman, he's been, uh, he's been missing drug tests. eh? Oh, Let's he's a news. What's that about?
1: So he's missed three tests again, and he's got some nonsense he excuse. That that he was out, Chris, he was out Christmas shopping. Well, he had it last year as well, and he's bleeding that they should have phoned him or something, or they, he wasn't at his house when he should have been. Now, I'm sorry, if you're a professional athlete, you've got Literally, like that is part of your job to be where you're supposed to be for that one hour a day. And he's out Christmas shopping. It's a nonsense. They should throw the book at him.
0: Yeah. So what's so? Yeah. I mean, he's missed three tests. So surely, what what about two? What's he been doing? What's his excuses there?
1: Well, he's clear. I mean, he's he's all his um all his excuses are nonsense. I mean, the I think one of them he's now saying as well. Oh, they should be phoning me on my mobile. And like the rules are. are you're, they're not you know that's not that's not what it's all i mean if you could phone someone you could be out and bolt back to your house it's supposed to be i don't know i just think that he's i'm trying to find the the first two um yeah here he says uh so coleman says uh that the 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 test location was not in his own uh the test location was messed up or something um Anyway, yeah. So at the end of the day, missed three tests. I think they need to be they need to be act swiftly on this.
0: It seems to be quite a common occurrence. Um, I, it would be quite good to have a link to the rules and what.
1: what well, so know, I, is it I, is
0: it that difficult to be at the same place and to keep? Surely you would just be it just be a case of you know letting the authorities know that you're where you are. That's part of your duty as a professional athlete, isn't it? Like
1: Yeah. I you mean
0: it as work, shouldn't you? They're getting paid, they're getting sponsored. So it's it's a it's one of the things that you buy into if you want to compete at that level and
1: So basically you're given ready. you're given an hour window that you 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 need you have to commit to being at a certain location, uh, from what I understand. And if the athlete is not location, the tester must wait for the full sixty minutes before leaving um coleman is claiming that every other time he's uh he's been tested that the that he's um he's been contacted by phone and he also claims that the tester wrote an incorrect address on the unsuccessful attempt form now that's okay that is only actually one of his tests as well um and it says you know he missed one he previously missed a test on 16th january 2019 um and then he experienced a filing failure on the 26th of april 2019 um, anyway and now he's saying he's kicking off saying the set, the the process doesn't work but it's just disappointing because it's just another name dragging the sort of sprint distances particularly through the through the muck and I you know I just think it stinks you know it really does stink
0: yeah, yeah it's anyway. I think um also the, there's a recent article that the news as well about Uh, Either the UK Anti-Doping, the US USADA, uh, United States Anti-Doping, they've publicly announced a reduction in the testing programs during the the COVID as well. Um, So that's not a great message as well. You know, if they're publicly announcing it, for people who are willing to cheat, then gives them an opportunity to take the piss away, but potentially.
1: Yeah, I I think they've got they've got to be strong here. They've got to ban them. yeah. And ideally for the next Olympics. I mean I'm really sure that there is no uh you know he's there's no leeway there.
2: Yeah.
0: Well anyway, well let's um let's move on, will we? Let's move on to some uh, some lighter lighter chat, Tommy. Now you've been, indeed. We're gonna retro results. London nineteen ninety, you had an opportunity to well, I mean I say an opportunity was there wasn't really much of an opportunity, was it? Because uh, the chopper yeah. was flying. It wasn't flying
1: well, at all. Do you know what? So I said at the start of lockdown, I was going to watch all the London marathons, and I'm I'm committed to that. So yeah, this week, London 1990, uh, known to Scottish runners because it was the it was the the win for Alistair Hutton, the only Scot uh, Scottish male to have won it. come well, obviously, Liz McCoggan won it in '96. And it was a bit of a disappointment actually from a, of a spectating perspective because I mentioned on one of the earlier, episode, earlier episodes, earlier races that I'd watched that there was a lot of cloud cover and the BBC chopper couldn't take off to relay back the signal from the bikes. This time it was exactly the same and it didn't clear up at all. So you had no coverage of the of the race except from fixed cameras, which are maybe like six on the course. So really disappointing. Um, Hutton, he broke away somewhere in the second half after halfway um, what I do know is at 19 miles, when they caught him through one of the fixed cameras, he was 75 seconds clear, the the chase pack, which was quite big. And then when, it was quite funny, actually, in the second half, about 22 miles, um, the commentator, so David Coleman, you could see he was getting a bit antsy because he was having a commentator race without any coverage. <laughs> basically, basically just filming the the masses. Anyway, so the BBC engineers, apparently, as, as David told us, they were running around getting their static... Um, they were basically they were running around to be able to handle a signal from the bike without using the chopper, using some like static aerials. And what it meant was the feed was terrible. It was like it was completely breaking up, like big wavy lines on the screen. You can hardly see it. And they knew it. And Coleman and uh, David Coleman, is saying, "Look, I appreciate this feed is absolutely terrible. We want to give you something. Just bear with <laughs> us." And they had it on for like you know maybe like sixty seconds. You could see Al Hutton coming along embankment at twenty-two. And they gave a bit of chat, and they said, right, okay, that's enough. You know, the, the engineers obviously pride themselves on quality of feed, so they had to let it go. And they came – anyway, eventually, they got him back on the mile. But, yeah, so the, the, the 75 seconds clear um, at 19, the gap did come down to what looked to be about sort of 60 seconds at 22. And in the end, he held it together, uh, winning in 2-10-10, which 10 10 uh, which was strong. Uh, second place was Salvatore betty um an italian and uh, juan romera and a spanish guy finishing him third and it was i don't know it, i mean i said there was not much to say about the race apart from the fact that it was gutsy from hutton really gutsy he went out hard in the in the second half and uh, yeah so in a trs first i've been delighted to travel back in time to speak to alistair hutton so we're about to hear from alistair hutton at the finish line <laughs> Alistair, thanks for coming on TRS. Congratulations, that was an incredible win. We've seen you vie for a position at London in the last few years, but yeah, to win this year you must have been super chuffed.
4: Unbelievable, I just... About three miles, I just... I felt quite good at three miles and I thought the pace was hot enough about three miles. Between three and five... uh, Well, if you're feeling good, may as well give it a go and see what happens. There's no harm in trying. It works, you see the end result. Doesn't it doesn't work well, it's just tough,
1: but again, it worked. The way you ran that from the front, you know, just after halfway, going after it, What you must have had a thought about what you wanted to do. What, what was your pre-race plan?
4: I didn't have any plan before the race. I didn't have any plan whatsoever. I just took it as it came on the day. Simple as that, I didn't have any, any preconceived thoughts of how it was going to be run. I knew all the stories and all the hype before the race, is all just talk, it's what happens on the day it counts.
1: There was a big pack behind. There was a lot of chat about the Ethiopians. They obviously didn't amount to much. What did you reckon of it? Well, I don't
4: know. Been, I mean, I, I wasn't watching the race. I was at the front. I did not know
1: what Big push after halfway. Coming through 19 miles, it looks to be you had about 70, 60, 75 seconds. Did you realize you had that sort of gap at that stage of the race? Yeah, I mean, I, when, when they decided to you know, go to the
4: front, and make like were standing at wall, I said, just be some ground. Between me and the rest of the boys. And I knew that if I went out hard, I would find it hard the last six miles. And I knew there was always, you know, people, always a chance that somebody was going to come back at me. And I just had to keep head down and concentrate keep plugging away and relax as much as I could.
1: As you say, you, you couldn't see the race, but did you know you were that far up the road?
4: Ah, you hear all the stories at the side of the road, you know, but you don't always pay too much attention to them. you just got to concentrate much over the line and keep the head down.
1: Amazing. It was absolutely amazing to see a Scot lead London like that so dumbly. And, and I bet when you finished, you must have been thinking, surely you're on for a TRS run of the week with a run like this. No, I you
4: I've
1: just won this race and I see it to sink in. Al, you're an inspiration. I mean, you've just won the London Marathon today. You're 35 years old and I can't help but look at myself and think, what, what, what would you say to, to me with my London chances coming up this year and next?
2: Yeah, they
4: say that uh, like good wine, good marathon runners mature with age, so they the best is yet to come.
1: <laughs> I hope so, I hope you're right. And finally, I mean a Scottish winner, first Scottish winner of the London Marathon, we're so proud of you, so proud of that, I must. that must just feel amazing. Yeah, first
4: Scot, yeah, I it's year uh, for the underdog, year for the Scots, so uh, what's next? The World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, of awesome. <laughs>
1: I think it was the Euros, actually, but next year, maybe we'll qualify. Anyway, Al, great to, great to hear from you. We'll let you cool down. All the best, and congratulations on a brilliant London win.
0: Well, just before that... I mean Rounding off the women's side, uh, we had – I don't know if you watched that or probably the feed for the, 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 the women's side was probably not not that great either. Uh, Poland's Wanda Panfield, Pen- two twenty six thirty one, 31 uh, and then the second and third were both from the U.S., Francie Lottie-Smith and Lisa Ransberger uh, from the U.S. in 228-01 and two twenty eight fifteen respectively. So that rounds off your London Marathon results, folks. Um, Indeed. So I'm looking that, for –
1: I'm looking forward to when we get a bit better coverage, I've got to say. I feel like it's... I was so excited with the Al Hutton one, and I was so disappointed that we couldn't watch it. So anyway, yeah, 91, hopefully we'll get better.
0: Oh, I'm sure it will. I mean, uh, I'll be on... Hopefully, all my treadmill running, I'll, I'll get a good full YouTube episode of, of the 1991 uh, London Marathon. Well, other than that, I was going to chat about a couple of weeks ago about weird and wonderful injuries, Tom. Now, just to mix it up, since we've got no like questions, what's mm-hmm. the weirdest injury that you've experienced either at a before or after a run or during a run? Um, well, that was my A, B, and C. So, have you ever experienced anything a bit weirder, interesting?
1: Uh, I've had frustrating injuries. You know, like when you stub your toe or some, stub your toe walking in the house. And it's too sore to go for a run on later on. That's a not. I mean, that's a minor thing. But I've not had any funny injuries. No, I'm pretty boring, quite... bog standard, bog standard injuries. You know, plantar fasciitis, <laughs> that sort of thing. Plantar fasciitis. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? You must have one if you want to talk about it.
0: I do. Well, that was it. I've got so many. You know, I was I was writing. Just trying to think of things to to say. Really, Tom. You know, fill in the... Filling the the awkward silence that we both have, <laughs> uh, and and one of the weirdest ones I've, I've got a couple, but it, it probably kind of was triggered when I fell over on, on that rock uh, last week. But did I ever tell you about the buzzard? When I was so running, I'm, and that was... I'm
1: not sure if you told me, but I've seen the buzzard is out right now. Oh Jesus Christ! So I went out uh, around Tirebagger,
0: like it must have been about four years ago, and I was running. Running around, you know, in in the woods in Tirebagger Forest, and there was an open there was an open patch of, of you know it must have been chopped down trees or something. But there's a couple of odd odd trees here and there, and uh, I was just going out for an easy run, and I had my headphones in, probably listening to some crappy podcast, and uh, you know nothing like TRS, mind you, and <laughs> and all all of a sudden I, I feel this big massive like slapping the back, you know, the back of my head. And I thought it was somebody who was hiding behind a tree who knew me, who, who thought it would be funny just to give the boy a slap in the head. And, uh, and I looked at and I, I ended up looking behind and going back to see if there was anyone behind the tree. No one was behind the tree. And then I just touched my, the back of my head and I felt blood all over my hand. I thought, oh, shit, what the hell's that? And then I saw this buzzard coming down for a second attempt to swipe me. And I thought, oh, my God, this is it. This is the end. And the yeah, buzzard <laughs> slapped me in the back of the head. But it didn't really feel, you know, the more I think about it, the, the best way of describing a buzzard attack is a metal pole. Somebody's smacking you with a, a metal pole in the back of your head. Not like I've ever had a metal pole smacked in the back of my head, but that's what it felt like. It was oh, it was, it was crazy. Sounds this. Oh, man. So anyway, anyway, folks, this is a lesson for you if you, Make sure you look where you're going when you're going for a run, not just at your feet, not to the side, not to the you know, also behind you, but also look above for any swooping buzzards in the forest, especially if you know any hot spots. And this is where I would encourage you to use your social media and your you know, your running pages, mm, and in case there has been any. Any buzzard attacks? Because there's been a couple of people I know who've had a real bad, horrific injuries. And,
1: well, I know that person. old man, old man Dave, got taken out by the buzzard quite recently, and I think in our, uh, one of our uh, sort of metro uh, old boys, Rob Taylor, he he as well got taken out. And I think there's one that Kirkhill Tower bagger area. I think is right yeah. there. Must be one that lives up there oh. looking after his burns. Must be. But anyway, that was one of my
0: weird weird injuries there, Tom. Uh, I'm just I'll have think.
1: I'll, I'll think. I'll think for this the weird injury feature next week. If I, I must have one somewhere. And listeners, let us know if you've got a. Did you know a clubmate of mine uh, who will remain nameless? I remember he was talking about how frustrated he was. He lost two weeks of training because he had a vasectomy. Like that's oh. <laughs> absolutely rotten. <laughs> Jeez. Which so I listeners, let know. us let us know what your weird and wonderful injuries are, and then and if there are tips that you can give to uh, other listeners.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, I, this is one of the reasons I wanted to say it, to encourage the listeners to tell us your weird injuries. I've got, I've got a couple more that I'll, uh, I'll perhaps reveal next week. Um, one of them in particular is a bit, a bit, um, a bit below the belt. Let's say that.
2: <laughs>
1: nice. Uh,
0: well, anyway, we're, we're on to the sort of last topic, TRS Run of the Week. Do we have a TRS Run of the Week, Tom? During our lockdown, we're going to have to take this section
1: out, eh? I think we are, honestly. I, I think that, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually, no, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got one. I've got go. one. I'm going to put it to someone because I know he's a listener. It's just come to me. And he's the only person I know who did this. So, Saturday just passed, 20th of June, was the summer solstice, longest day of the year. Now, there's a guy, uh, a clubmate of ours, uh, Quinton Chalmers, who ran an event called the, I think it was the P24, I think it was called. And it's basically how far can you run while the sun's up? In that. Is period. this not
0: part of the Solstice
1: Twenty Four
0: event? It may,
1: it may well be, and if so, and I, but I, it, I, I'll be honest, it was it totally missed my radar. I wasn't aware of it. Um, uh, anyway, so I think um, I think I thought that was pretty cool actually.
0: Wow! So how how many uh, how long did he run for?
1: He did, well, so he ran it. It was it's called the longest day. Actually, it's a. The event that he did is a is, is from Phoenix in the states. I think Quentin's a he spends a lot of time out out there. And um, anyway, I'm looking into the. I'm trying to see if I can find his uh his um his result. But I know that he he did it in chunks. So he like he had a he ran for a bit on his breakfast. Ran went for another run. Went for a run later on and like chunked it like that. Um, which is which is quite a cool way to do it. It's kind of it might have been actually. Do you know what that would have been a great warm up for you. <laughs>
0: No, I'm, I'm. I
1: don't want to peek too early, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I think we need to put a sweepstake on, like a prize for the T.R.S. listener who can his guess to how far you run in 24 hours. That would be I fantastic.
0: That's a great
1: idea. There you go. So, fi- so do you know, we fi- someone like um, you Kyle will fi- finalize the details, but someone like five round an entry, and the the winner either the winner gets a bottle of whiskey or the winner gets half of the money and the other half goes to charity or something to like your
0: charity, that. definitely. Like a raffle, Yep. I'll we'll make it happen. I'm, I'm absolutely keen for that. Um, what I'll what I'll say is that the the fundraising page is, has been set up as we speak. Um, so I I don't I can't remember the um like I, I, I'm perhaps mentioned a couple of weeks ago and last week the the charity that I'm running for is the Catherine Edwards Charity, and um, so that's um. You know, Helping improving the lives of families and uh, less fortunate than many of ours uh, in Kenya, and um, and also Chaz, which is a ch- children's charity in Scotland that's uh, that supports children with life shortening illnesses as well. So it's really quite close to my heart, and um, I th- both fantastic charities, you known right. And the chat, you know, the, the money that I raise will be split 50-52. So if anyone wants to donate um you can do uh, as of the start of this um yeah from from the, the release of this podcast and, and until and, and post challenge attempt as well so there you go
1: right i'm gonna i'm just going to backtrack on myself i got it wrong the p24 challenge so it's in a 24-hour period on the longest day you need to run at least one mile on the hour every hour So that's, so basically you can do, so you can do, I guess it's as much, as much as you, as little as you want within that, but it's, that's quite a cool way to get, um, to get, you know, people in, out running for 24 hours because it's obviously a hell of a long time. So anyway, there you go. So kudos to, to Quentin who shared that. I was, it wasn't, and he wrote up a quite a good write-up on it, so I wasn't aware of it, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to donating to your challenge and I'm looking forward to uh, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to do a straight up donation, but I'm also going to put a guess in for the mileage as well. But I'm not oh. going to tell you the guess until you're on the treadmill. <laughs> I, I don't, wanna, I don't <laughs> want to. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to put any pressure. On you.
0: God, that's. Uh, I'm this, Yeah, I'm a bit nervous now.
1: It's not. You've got a lot of time, though. mate. you've got nine weeks. Nine weeks doesn't sound a lot, though. You know, and you it will fly. Well, by. It will fly by. I. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm hoping. I guess it'll be, you'll be all right. Just make sure you stay away from buzzards.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I'll tell you have injuries to avoid too. Right. Well, grand. I think we're we're running dry, but you know we've had uh, we a, a great episode to uh, tell tell your friends, your family, your colleagues. Um, Liz McCoggan interview. What an interview! Really enjoyed it. Really inspiring. If you if you don't listen to us rambling away, listen to the interview and get some hints and tips and be inspired. So. Uh, yeah, but if you do want to get in contact with us, folks, uh, about anything, um, please get in contact via many of our channels, our social media channels, and also our email, shorts at gmail.com. We've also got a website made by Leo Connor uh, at com. Facebook, you can like us on Facebook, uh, comment you know, on, our, on our posts, uh, email us, message us that way um instagram tartan running shorts handle uh, for twitter is at tartan shorts as well so many ways that you can speak to the speak to the the trs guys and uh you know provide us with any any information or comments or any good news stories anything we'll we'll be absolutely delighted to hear so so to round off the show tom what else have we got what have you got planned for the rest of the week
1: I've got deadly squat planned for the rest of the week. Honestly, I've got no, I'm not, I'm the worst podcast host in the world at the moment. I've got no chat. Honestly, like no <laughs> chat. I'm not, my training is not going that well. I'm just buried working at home at the moment and I'm staying at home. Honestly, it's, uh, I, I, I long for the days that, and it's a slow news week as well. I long is, for the days that we've um, got yeah. some results to talk about. Honestly, I'm, uh, feeling says I keep using this, I'm using this expression too much, but it's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> not week now, all the days are blending oh. into one. It's like it's just. uh I can't believe it. it's like three months now we've had this. It's bonkers, oh, it is isn't
0: it? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're not the only. You know, the many of you guys and girls will be listening, and going, "Yeah, I, I completely understand." But keep your chin up, folks. It will get better, no doubt. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just- do you know what?
1: If you are in the same boat be you can take some reassurance that you're not alone i'm you know this is the same guy who sat down here six weeks ago and said yeah i'm gonna run a 225 marathon and now i'm like uh oh, kill me now uh, like honestly so you're not alone if you're if you if your motivation dips we will we'll, we will we'll be back, back. When we need to be back we'll
0: exactly exactly don't peak too early but uh but keep keep you know just keep ticking away in the background and you'll you'll be good as exactly. new when the
1: time comes eh? Do you know? What? I've just finished. I'm going to do a review of it next week. I've just finished reading an excellent running book as well, which was really that gave me a bit of a motivation kick actually. And I'm um, I'm going to pull my thoughts together on it, and I'll I'll review next week.
0: Well, I, as a as I have to as well with the the running up that hill book. Yeah, I did, I'm oh, of course you do. Yeah, reading at the moment. So mm. I don't know. Forget finished by next week. The the speed I read, Tom. Bloody hell. Take me a good few weeks, eh?
1: Just get an audiobook form and You can listen to it on the treadmill. That's
0: a great idea. <laughs> oh. Anyway, well, uh, I know that you've been you've been watching This Is Us, uh, on on Netflix. Uh, my wife upstairs is watching one of your favourite shows as as is hers. So I'm gonna try yeah. and, you know, heckle her to get Money uh, Heist, the last episode. Well, we just we just nice. finished watching that. And um did you? And, and nice. It's fairly apt to, to finish on that because obviously our man uh, Ali McIver has been been, you know finished and and wrote a recorded a fantastic end song for us so here it goes folks and uh, I'll leave it with this Um, you know Tommy and Kyle in their short 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 and uh, we will speak to you guys next week
1: indeed have a good week here's Ali McIver